Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Attic Podcast live from Radio Row at the Super Bowl. Day two coverage here. Patrick Allen along with Matt Burke. Again, going to have a longer show for you today. we got some guests stopping by. We're really jacked up about it. You can expect Nick Lowry, famous Chiefs kicker, to be dropping by to talk to us a little bit later. And we're also going to have our guy Matt Connor on, our co-host from the Arrowhead Attic Podcast and the editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Attic. Verterim, how are you doing today, man? It's day two. Did you get some sleep last night? I did. I did. I woke up. I did some work. Then I went over to the media availability for the Chiefs, asked some questions, came back here, ate a really expensive pulled pork sandwich. Said, uh, thank you, uh, Fansider, for company dime. Yeah. And uh, here we are. Here we are. So I'm, I'm glad to be here. Looking forward to it. Things are not cheap at the Super Bowl, even no, for the not. media. I just paid $7 for a soda. So there you go. Um, all right. So, Verterim, a lot's going on out here. The Chiefs are in town. Last night was Super Bowl opening night at the convention center over here. Um, it's just a wild scene. This was my first time at opening night. Now, I know you've done it before. Yep. Massive arena filled with Chiefs and Eagles fans. Mama and Papa Kelsey were there. All the players were there. Andy Reid, they brought the Lombardi trophy out. Right. So the way that this works, if you guys didn't catch it on TV last night, the fans are in the arena, the media is down on the floor, and they set up podiums in a big circle. The players and coaches come out, and then some players and coaches walk around for media availability. So first the Eagles came out, and then the Chiefs came out. And I had a an observation. I wanted to see what your thoughts were on it, Verderam. When I talked to the Eagles players, uh, everybody was great, nice, by the way, but sure. I found the Eagles players to be pretty serious, like not nervous or tight, but like, you know, pretty pretty serious and straightforward and talking about the game and the Chiefs seemed a lot looser to me. Um, lighthearted, you know, not too nervous, not too high strung. Now everybody's different, but did you notice that? Yeah, I think Darius Slay was the one guy who was maybe pretty loose to the Eagles. Said his name's Slay. He yeah. was not he wasn't responding to Darius. Um, yeah, I think part of it's the Chiefs have just been here a lot. You know, right. I think even for guys who haven't, they're around guys who have been here. So it's like not as big of a deal. And Frank Clark was having a field day uh, oh, Frank. throughout the throughout the uh, festivities. And Chris Jones was having fun. Guys yeah. were signing autographs to fans. Like it was it was pretty laid back. And even at the availability today, I mean, they were they were pretty relaxed. They yeah. didn't seem uh, tight by any stretch of the imagination. So it'll be really interesting to see how that translates through the course of the week. Yeah, and we talked about this uh, earlier in the week and last week yep. that maybe one advantage that the Chiefs would have here is the fact that a lot of the players had been here before. This is Andy Reid's, what, fourth Super Bowl? Yes. So 
a lot of a lot of experience on the Chiefs side, not as much on the Eagles side. But again, I don't think that just because the Chiefs are loose and the Eagles seem maybe a little serious or to mean business, I don't I don't think that means like the Eagles are nervous or that you know sure. it's going to help one team more over the other. Do you? No, not really. I mean, I think it's just more of an observation than anything else. You know, the, the Eagles could be all business and come out and score forty. I mean, you right. don't know what's going right. to happen. Um, I think it helps the Chiefs that they've been here. They've won. In some ways, maybe it even helps them a little bit. They lost once. Like, they know both sides of that and what that can feel like. Mahomes has talked a lot about that. Yeah. That I've been on both ends of this thing. You know, it's a hell of a lot better to win than it is to lose. Um, I just think it's really interesting the way that the Chiefs have kind of handled this week. I mean, they've not um, – they've not been overly anxious. I mean, they really, you know, they talked about the fact they, pre- they, they did their planning all last week. They're yeah. not even game planning this week. They're already done with that. Right. I thought it was also interesting that they're getting healthier. Uh, I was there today. Patrick Mahomes was five feet in front of me and he said his ankle's feeling way better than it was. Um, everybody's going to practice for them today. Yesterday they were in pads. Right. They had some pads. Yesterday. That's a rare thing at this time of year. So, they seem like they're in pretty good spirits and they're in pretty good shape and getting healthier at the right time. Yeah, you and I were standing next to each other when Legereus Sneed took the podium yep. last night. And if you haven't been catching up on arrowheadaddict.com or you haven't been catching up on Twitter, uh, Verderam got the first question in uh, and asked Legereus if he had cleared the, the concussion protocol. That yep. was breaking news. He said he had uh, yesterday, just, yes. just that day. Um, I, we, I tweeted out, you tweeted out, everybody else tweeted out really quickly. Yep. I think I was first, but... You know, when you got 15 media members, 30 media members standing around, it's uh, it's hard to tell. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah it's not quite an exclusive, but I'm, I'm saying that was our story. Sure. Yeah, I'll take credit. Yeah. What the yeah. hell? I asked the question, damn it. Um, I, I'm just really, listen, if they're healthy for this game, I know that they're not the favorite. I think they ought to be. Like, I really do. Now, hell, yeah. if, now if, you're, if you're agreeing with me, then you ought to maybe say, hey, it's a good place to bet because what the hell? Getting a point and a half on top of that, getting the odds. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I know we have a few promos going for that right now, so that's not the worst thing in the world either. Yeah, absolutely. You can go to arrowheadaddict.com slash bets. If you want to help out the podcast, we'll read some uh, more specific promos later on. But if you go to arrowheadaddict.com slash bets, um, we've got those great promos over there. You just got to click a link. And uh, you'll be good to go. Um, you can help out the podcast by following one of those links. All right, let's let's talk a little bit more Chiefs. So last night, Verderam, and of course, we're going to have Nick Lowry stopping by um, at the half hour mark of this stream. So make sure if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, leave some comments, share this post, uh, hit that like button if you think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, let's do that. Let's get some more Chiefs fans in here. We'll be able to answer some questions, but make sure you stay tuned for Nick Lowry here in a few minutes. That's Super Bowl level showing. Yeah, you know what? That's right. You gotta you you get to the big game. You gotta raise your game, and that's what I'm trying to do here today. Um, so, Verderam, any impressions from last night? Anything stand out to you? I know you got to talk to Brett Veach a little bit. Yep. Um, he's been, of course, he's a friend of the show, former former guest of the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Um, how did Veach seem? Calm, relax. It was funny. You know, talking to Howie Roseman in the Eagles availability, there were about 15 people around them. I was sitting there talking to Brett Veach. It was like me and like one other person. I mean, he was just chilling out. It's pink, uh, pink blazer. Uh, you know, salmon, He's a stylish salmon, guy. He is a stylish yeah, guy. Yeah. Man, I had the salmon blazer at the, at the wristwatch. Um, I asked him about the rookie corners. I've got a really big story coming out of that. On the out on that tomorrow, 
That thing's like 2,500 words at the moment. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., But also, he, he said, listen, those guys have exceeded expectations. They thought McDuffie would come in and play well and play right away. Did not expect that Williams and Watson would play this well, this quickly. Um, but also just kind of talked about the fact that, look, it's, just, it's great to be here. Like, this is hard. This is a really hard thing. So I asked about right. him and Roseman. They, they were together nine years in Philly. And I have a story on that as well. But um, you know, he kind of alluded to the fact that, look, it's great to be here, period. I mean, just to get to the Super Bowl – it's so hard, and you can. Look, there's a there's a lot of confidence in this group about the way they they feel like they can go out and play this game. I think maybe it's a little bit similar for people like Brett Veach and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, as it is for us fans. I know I I feel a lot different about these last few Super Bowls that the Chiefs have been in than I did that first one. I mean, I was a nervous wreck. Really wanted them to get it. Of course, I really want the Chiefs to win. But I think once you've been there, right? Yeah, I and I think especially for a guy like Brett Veach, he's done his work, right? Sure. Like, and and this is sort of a validation of the work that he's done in the off season and the roster planning that he's been doing over seasons. That he can sit back and say, "All right, like I did my job. I put together a Super Bowl roster capable of getting to the Super Bowl. Obviously, he wants to see him win it. But at this point, if you're Brett Veach, you can't you can't do anything. You can't make any more trades? You know, there's nobody walking around on the street no, that you're going to pick up and sign, and so." Uh, you roll into the stadium on Sunday and let the chips fall where they may help the coach the players get the job. I, think that's it. I mean, if you're pretty beach at this point, sit back and everybody else watching. I mean, obviously, you've got a little more insight maybe than the rest of us, but you're watching. Right, right. There's, nothing, there's nothing he can do. I mean, it, it, it's just a team he's put together. This is the coaching staff they have. I mean, look, in reality, we're going to break the game down a million ways. But the truth of it is, it's going to come down to the better on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, it really, these teams are here for a reason. There's no fraud in the Super Bowl. There's no, no flu. No. I mean, you get to this point. It's all about who plays better on that day. And maybe there's tendencies, some things you can look for, and that's why we're here talking about it. But the reality is, it's a game unto itself. You know, we don't need all this. Right. But you don't know that. What if it's a game? What if it's that they were hurt to those three picks? He just yeah. doesn't. You know, and, and maybe they're not even fault. Guy drops the ball, goes through his hands, gets picked. Or it's if the line is perfect, you could, you know, I mean, that stuff happens. Yeah. It does. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's going to be fast to see how the game plays out, and you have another situation we're going to talk about. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, where I think, uh, and, we'll, and we'll talk, we had somebody from Pro Football Focus coming by later today as well. You're looking at that season and say, oh, we need the Chiefs are good at this. The Eagles eight, a lot of sacks, and blah, 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 blah. But in reality, that doesn't matter on Sunday. Like, oh, throw it all out the window. This is one game. 
I mean, you can be the greatest stacking team ever, and but you can have one game where you don't get any, right? How many times have we seen great run defenses throughout the course of the season? But every 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 now and again, yeah, you get lit up for 250 yards. So it's all about matchups and game plans come Sunday, as far as I'm concerned. Forget about the regular. Yeah, I agree. By the way, apparently I'm having audio issues. Oh no. Keep an eye on. We're going to figure it out, guys. Um, one guy said both might suck. So that's, <laughs> at least at least we're in the same boat. Yeah. Um, All right. But uh, so I think it's it, – it, 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 you don't know. I mean, they had seven sacks. They may not have one sack. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. they might have seven. I mean, that's the nature of this stuff. Um, you can all of a sudden have a game – where the game goes one way early and it goes, hey, it's going to be a close game, even whatever. And then it's two turnovers in the first quarter, right. nothing. Right. I mean, this is game seven. And we always say, it's game seven. Anything's possible. Anything can happen. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. It is game seven. Anything is possible. Right. Yeah. They're going to lay it out on the line, they're going to let it all hang out. Uh, so last night I was standing, and, and hopefully the audio issues are uh, as our producer uh, Hunter comes to help us out. Um, I was standing. Uh, you got a new mic coming in. Let's see. It's better. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how things play out. Yeah. All right. Um, so last night I'm standing waiting to interview Andy Reid, and there's like a countdown clock up there because they're they're at their media availability for an hour. Yep. I'm about to interview Andy Reid, and I feel. Almost like a hug from behind, two two hands on my shoulders. I turn police. around. What's that? Police? It wasn't the police. No. Thankfully, uh, I, I think they're around here looking for me somewhere. But um, two hands on my shoulder, and I turn around, and who is it? It's Paul Harvey, and he's like, "Hey, excuse me, man, can I get in there? I want to ask Coach Reed a question." Now, if you've ever been to one of these things, you know that your headliners they have the most media and cameras around. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. Yep. So I was fighting good fight to get up there and I was finally next next up, you know, about to, to get him a question. And I, I seated my spot from Paul Hardman. He asked Andy Reid a question. I should have. I should have been like, hey man, you my know job. what? Yeah, yeah. You do your job. Yeah. Let me do mine. Um so I seated my spot to McCole and he asked Andy, hey do you have any uh uh the clips uh, I think on Arrowhead Attic, you can check it out, arrowheadaddict.com for the full clip. But he asked Andy, do you have any tricks, any special tricks up your sleeve? And uh Andy said no, no, no. Going by the book. Going by the book. Like, it's kind of a wink, wink yeah, thing, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, if you're in three, what do you pull out? Things that are going to make that program insane. <laughs> Blake Bell. Little, I, little Blake Bell option. Yeah, a little short side run to the right. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I I think in this game, honestly, this might be a spot where this really is. Maybe you have a reverse in the game. Maybe yeah. you have a flea flicker. Now, the flea flicker, you better, you better move it. You better get the ball off. But you know, if I'm if I'm them, it's not so much run a ton of trick plays. It's not my deal. But I would I would run a lot of that sweep motion. I'd run a lot of action because whatever you do that, even if you don't have the ball, it creates it creates a half second of what am I looking at? What's happening in front of me? A half second in the NFL is an eternity. Right. That is the difference between getting sacked, getting hit, like I think you it's a ton of motion. I literally wouldn't put one play in that motion in it. I would try to make them stop and think for a second. Where are they? What are they doing? One thing, they don't play the Eagles a lot. You know, I mean, obviously, anyway, when you're in the playoffs, they played the Bengals for 30 months. 
the Bengals have seen everything the Chiefs do. The Eagles have not seen that. I don't, you can put all the tape you want. It's different person. It's on the field. I would run a lot of motion, try to make the thing. Would you be running that? Like, if they are going to do some of those jet sweeps, those types of things, what down do you want to see those on? Because, I mean, that's where, like, the team against, like, the Eagles, and you don't want to be behind the six. You want to be right. moving forward as much as possible so they can't pin them. Right? right, yeah. I mean, I thought it was interesting, too, on the flip side of the box. I was just talking to myself, Tom, from NFL Network last night. Um, the Spags was like, look, we, we have to win early. That makes me wonder, are they going to be aggressive on first down? Are they going to be aggressive early and try to, you know, obviously, look, any D coordinator wants to have a team in third and ten. That's not breaking news. But if that's really their focus this week, are they going to try to take away the run on early downs? Are they going to be aggressive in their fronts and say, look, if we get them to third and ten, we feel good. I'm, you know, I'm curious to see what that means from Spags and how they approach it. Yeah, I'm worried about that. If you haven't watched a lot of the Eagles this year, they've been absolutely unstoppable in third and fourth and short situations. They got a quarterback sneak where they just push Jalen Hurts. They're amazing right? like, at it, yeah. They're really, really good at they're it. They're the opposite of the Chiefs in short yards. <laughs> right, right. And so what I worry about is do you think that they at some point in this game, because they've been doing this all year, these – you know, you know, quarterback sneak, they're, it's their signature, they're known for yeah. it, that at some point in this game there's going to be a third and one or a fourth and one, and they're going to go up there and they're going to get in that formation, and then they're going to uncork a deep pass off of it. They might, they might try, you know? especially if it's third and one, because yeah. then you have fourth and one if you need it. Yeah. So I always think when you have those short, you know, second ones, third and ones, depending on where you are in the field, you have an opportunity to maybe take a shot. Yeah. Say, All right, well, we got another play here and we only need three feet. Um, the Eagles like to go deep. I mean, they're going to look for their opportunities. That's why I said yesterday, I think if you're the Chiefs, you play a lot of too high and just say you're not getting over the top. You're not going to win that way. You're going to have to go 12, 13, 14 plays down the field. And if you're the Chiefs, you're fine with that. You're fine with forcing that to happen. I'm not saying Philly can't do it, but that's a lot harder than just hitting one deep ball and all of a sudden <laughs> you're at the 20. Right. So in those situations now, would you be more apt to, if they get in that third and short, fourth and short situation if you're the Chiefs defense just sort of concede the first I don't want to say give up but like don't go all out trying to stop that and just play it a little bit more safe and maybe try to win on the next set of downs yeah probably you know I, especially where it depends where you are on the field too if you're your own 30 yeah, yeah. like yeah. you know it's a second quarter you're up a touchdown yeah. yeah I think this entire game defensively about with the Chiefs is in the red zone they have been much better in the playoffs much right. better right they were a mess throughout the regular season. 31st in the league. They're at 50% right now. And it's 3 of 6. I get it. It's not a huge sample size. I understand all that. But if I'm the Chiefs, I'm feeling at least more confident defensively. I'm feeling like, all right, we have an opportunity here to play a little bit better. I mean, if you look at their their regular season numbers in the red zone, uh, it was it was uh, not something you want to you want to show the kids' eyes, okay? Right. 67.3%. 50% would have had them sixth in the NFL. So if they can just keep that up, like if Philly has four red zone drives, if you go two for four, that's great. Right. That's 20 points. Okay, look, you may have a drive or two that scores some points on field goals. But let's let's say they have four drives in the red zone and one field goal from without hitting the 20. That's 23 points. Like if you're the Chiefs, you're signing up all day and half the night for them scoring 23 points, right? So I think think that is going to be the key. Third down, of course, Bags talked about it. The Chiefs were 13th. By the way, the Chiefs are better on third down defense than Philly. So uh, they were right back-to-back, but the Chiefs are three-tenths of a point better. So 
very close in that regard. And if you're wondering, by the way, for Philadelphia's red zone defense, 12th. Okay. So, you know, uh, slightly above average. Yeah. Well, and I'm impressed that they did so well against Cincinnati because that is a team, when I think about a team, I don't want to have to deal with in the red Big zone. guys. Right, yeah. Yep. Uh, so that is just good news for the Chiefs. You think this is, again, just like it did with Cincinnati, going to come down to how much pressure the Chiefs can get early? Uh, you know what? In a way, but these are different teams. Burrow throws the ball very quickly, right? That was a whole talking point right, last week. Yeah. The ball out of his hands. The Eagles don't do that. Hurts will hold the ball. He takes some sacks. I think this game's more about the back end. You've got to cover. You've got to hold up. That's why I would, I would basically double Brown and Smith on anything vertical. Anything. If you want to run that crap, fine. I'm going to double you everywhere you go. And if I'm the Chiefs, I'm fine. You want to run an eight-yard comeback route? Fine. Fine. I would tell the corners, be ultra-aggressive. Challenge it. Challenge everything underneath, everything across the middle. Play through the body. I don't care that Carl Jefferson is the official. I don't care. Be aggressive in the game. And then over the top, you should have your safety help. I think if you're the Chiefs, that's how you play this game. And you allow for, if we can cover, listen, say whatever you want about the Eagles offensive line. It's terrific. Chiefs have a really good front defensively. They'll get home if they have three, three and a half seconds. So coverage. I think that is more important in this game than it was against Cincy where ball's going to come out quick. How do the Chiefs keep... Jalen Hurts in the pocket in this game so that he's not able to squirt out of there and extend those plays where even if you're double covering, a guy like A.J. Brown's going to get open. I think a lot of it comes down to needing to maintain integrity on rush lanes. So what that means is if you're an outside, if you're an edge rusher, if you're Carl Loftus, if you're Clark, you can't get too far up the field, but you also can't just dip inside and then allow Hurts to escape out of the back. I, I mean, you want to be Never deeper than Hertz is. Like, if you're watching for a key on television, you don't want to see your DNs further up the field than Hertz. They should always be even or, or better. So that's one thing to watch. And then defensive tackles, you got to make sure that you're not getting washed to the side and opening up a middle lane. I know people said spy him. I wouldn't spy him. You're taking a guy out of the defense. I would not spy him. Like, look, and by the way, as great as Hertz has been running the ball this year, and he's been terrific. He's not Lamar Jackson. Like, right. he, he's not – as much as you respect it, you'd be a fool not to incorporate it into your game plan. You know, when you look at Jalen Hurts this year, um, can he run? Absolutely. But if you look at it like – so early in the year, he was 90 yards in week one, 57 yards. And after that, he had a stretch where he only had more than 30 yards – excuse me, more than, more than 40 yards uh, once – over seven games. Then he went nuts and he ran for 86 and a buck 57. And then it's been 12, 77, 61, 13, 34, 39. Like, I'm not saying he can't run. He obviously can run. But it's not to the level of like Lamar Jackson where if he gets loose, he's gone for a touchdown or 60 yards. Like, if he rushes for 40 yards in this game, 50 yards, fine. I don't care. I'm not changing my entire defense to stop that. Right. It's, it's more of the... Uh kind of the obnoxious kind of running where it's like a, you think you got him and he scores, right. he gets a first right. down and you're like, God damn. Like, just if I was going to spy him, it'd be on third down. Willie Gay? Willie, yeah, yes, yes. If I'm going to do it, it's or, or maybe even Justin Reed. Okay. Like third down, play where okay, maybe here, right? But I'm not spying him all game long. If he runs for 50 yards, who cares? It's the same as if a running back does it. Right, I'm right. not. Now, if it gets to a point in the game where he's killing us on it, fine, change. But 
I would I would say I don't care if they run the ball a little bit. Cannot get beat deep and got to play well in the red zone. Do that and you're in great shape. Now, you've gone on the record as saying, and I agree, if the Chiefs can get a lead in this game, it, it could be a lot better for them. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but the Chiefs also, when they win the coin toss, if they win the coin toss, they tend to like to defer. Correct. Is this a situation where you would prefer, if they do win the coin toss, take the ball, get your lead? No. No? I'd want to play defense. You want to see what they're doing? Oh, yeah. You know what? Hurts has never been in this game before. Let him be a little jittery. Let him come out and deal with all the flash bulbs. And defensively, get off the field maybe. If you can do it, you've got a huge advantage already. You've already got the advantage of now, if you can get a stop, and it's an if, I get it. They could go right down the field and score. If you can get a stop, now all of a sudden, you have the ball 0-0, and you can double them up potentially at the end of the half. Worst case, you always get the ball coming out of the third. I always am a big believer in if you can, if you can get that possession to start the third quarter, it takes pressure off you early. If you're down seven going into half, but you're getting the ball, you're fine. If you're down seven going into half and you got a kick, you're you're playing in a dangerous spot. I would I would defer. Uh, I would I would give Philly the ball. You think Andy likes to have that that extra possession to kind of get intel so that he can make his adjustments at halftime? You think it's one of the reasons why he likes to defer? Maybe a little bit, but I think he also likes to give Mahomes a chance to go out and have 14 points when you can't do anything to stop it. Right. right. So. Yeah. I don't. I, I think if you're the chief, I don't think they'll change. I'd be shocked if they won the toss and all of a sudden I'm like, hey, we'll take it. Right, right. I just, they are who they are. Um, I think it's going to be interesting too. You know, in this game, I was talking to Kaiser White, who's a former Chargers linebacker who now is with the Eagles, and he was saying, not a matter of a coin toss, but he had something to say about said, hey, what would be the biggest key for you guys in this game? Just taking the ball away, getting a turnover. They've taken the ball away in every game but two this season. That is going to be another huge point of emphasis in this game. Like, don't give away possessions. You know, Philadelphia's won a lot of games based off the fact they've just taken the ball away from teams nonstop. If the Chiefs don't turn the ball over, I think they're in really good shape. And then if you factor in, if they get the ball coming out in the third quarter, you get maybe maybe two possessions in a row. But at worst, you're keeping it going back and forth. You're not giving away two possessions in a row. I think the Chiefs would be pretty happy with that. Yeah. We're going to talk a lot more about the game. we got Nick Lowry coming up here on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. If you could do us a favor, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. We're going to be streaming for a couple hours here. want to get lots of Chiefs fans in here asking questions and just enjoying Super Bowl week. I mean, I, I think if you're a fan out there, this is just such a cool opportunity. You don't know when the, you know i was in my 30s mid 30s until the chiefs finally made a super bowl that's right uh, so you don't know hell i was in my 30s when they finally won a playoff game so yeah <laughs> you don't know when these kinds of opportunities are going to come around so make sure you're enjoying this however you can we've been banging this drum on the podcast for a while now the fan fears the fanfare is just kind of getting started here there were a lot of fans in the arena last night in your estimation, Verran, were there more Chiefs fans or Eagles fans? Chiefs. I'd say it was probably 60-40, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, there were more Chiefs fans. I would say easily the loudest ovation of the night was when Mahomes came out. It was incredible. No doubt. That it, was absolutely – no question it was the loudest when that happened. They brought out um, Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, uh, somebody uh, – I think it was Kelsey, Chris Jones. I forget the other two Eagles. It might have been Hassan Reddick. But anyway, they were sitting there, and – uh, when they when the host introduced them, when they when when, they, when she got to Mahomes, I mean it was deafening in there. It really kind of I mean we know this. He's the face of the NFL and he's a huge star, right. but like and with all due respect to the Eagles players and to Hertz, I didn't even notice when Hertz got introduced. 
But no. when they introduced Mahomes, no, the roof blew off that place. You know who got the second loudest ovation of the night? Andy. It wasn't Andy. Andy got, Andy got oh, a— Oh, no, Donna Kelsey. It was Donna Kelsey. Donna Kelsey, yeah. yes. It, it was probably 1A and 1B because yes. the Eagles fans, they love Andy too for, for right now. Yes. Um, you yes. know, But everyone loves Donna Kelsey. She's everybody's uh, yeah. favorite. She yeah. should do the coin toss. Yeah, right. I think she, they, they, they were talking about it. There's Is she petition. actually doing it? No, there's no, a there's petition a, for okay. it. Okay. Yeah, I guess maybe they want a ref to do it, right? There's like a— They'll have some honorary. They'll yeah. have like some, some, you know. But I mean, it's it is it is really a cool situation when you think about it because obviously, you know, all the Eagles fans love Jason Kelsey, even Chiefs fans. I mean, I, because of the New Heights podcast too. If you weren't right. familiar with one of the with with the, what, the what, brother on either side, this was a great opportunity. They just seem like a great football family, and they're right. like living the absolute dream. You know, you've got two daughters. I don't have I any know. kids. Could you imagine a, a situation as a parent? where your daughters were in the pinnacle of their sport profession going head-to-head. Like, how, how would you deal with those kinds of emotions? I'd, I'd eat my way through them. Yeah, that's good. I, good yeah, call. I, I would eat my way through them. I, you know what? I, I think it's one of those things you kind of, this is apparent, like, you, you feel really torn. I mean, obviously, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, on one hand, you'd be thrilled to death. On the other hand, you feel really bad. Like, right. I think in a way, you just – you almost just watch it, and whatever happens, happens, and you kind of—I don't know that I'd have a rooting interest. Like, I'm not gonna like root against one of my children, right? right so, yeah. I think we'd be like, "Hey, look, play it out." And I'm really happy for whoever wins, whoever loses. Hey, you know, there's next, there's next year, there's next time. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be tough. It's that'd gotta be, be tough. a we- It's gotta be weird for how they'll watch the game. Normally. Right, you're cheering. You're cheering, right. and, but now it's like literally, no matter what happens, it's good for one and bad for. It the might other. help that they're not on the field at the same time. Yeah. Like you're probably cheering for like both offenses. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Like yeah. Pro- like it would be really weird if like Travis Kelsey was a D tackle. Right. You know. Like. Yeah. You know. Going so, head to head. I think at least there's that, right? Yeah. But you know, I, I think you're, I think that's probably what I would. I would just cheer for when they're on the field. Yeah. You know, and just play it out. Yeah. Uh, Rocky Pennington asked, "Do you guys think Melvin Gordon could be activated for the Super Bowl?" I'll be honest with you, I forgot Melvin, Melvin Gordon was even on the team. Rocky, if he is, I'm going to be in deep emotion. <laughs> right, yeah, okay. yeah, uh, no, don't no, think so, Rocky. I don't think that's happening. Yeah, yeah, they just they just activated Clyde Edwards-Helaire. They're good. Uh, it was a it was a vet a smart veteran depth move. Running backs get Here's hurt. Here's insurance. Yeah, it's just just, just to have that back there. Um, let's get some questions in if you guys uh, have any. We're waiting on Nick Lowry to stop by. Going to be talking to him. Uh, very excited. Now, he's kind of the kicker of our youth, Nick Lowry. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, he, absolutely. He, he was with the Chiefs for a long time, and I remember him hitting. He was Mr. Over 50 yards. Yeah, look, Nick Lowry was the best kicker in really statistically in franchise history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jan Senderud, of course, the Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. Nobody's taking anything away from Jan, but. Statistically speaking, I mean, Lowry was unbelievable. He was with them for almost 15 years. Right. He had a long career, Kansas City. Um, I remember the first the first game I ever remember watching. He had the game winning kick against Pittsburgh in the in the wild card round in '93. Yeah. yeah. So um, I always remember him for the single bar face mask. Yeah. Right before you know everybody stopped getting away. You know, go, damn it, I want more single bar face masks. Yeah. Morton Anderson wore that too, didn't he? He the did, but not bar? Kansas City. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, William DeLong asks. Do you think this is a good one? Do you think the turf will affect the game this time, like it did back in September? If you don't remember, first play of the game, what Chiefs kicking off, Harrison Bucker slips on the turf, gets injured, wasn't right for most of the season. Right. Do you think it ha- plays a factor on Sunday? Are you worried about it? They've been manicuring. No, the Super Bowl field is different than the regular field. 
They've been manicuring this for 11 months. Wow, really? Yeah, yes. So That's incredible. I do not worry about the field in this game. No. Okay. They, I was reading that for next year's Super Bowl in Vegas, they'll start working on the grass right after this game ends. That's yeah. that's what they do it's, is is amazing. It's, it's like, I can't get and I can't get my lawn in my backyard to look good. It's a disaster. You know, I mean, it's just a complete. It's patchy, and the, the fact. So I thought I saw this on on Twitter this morning, but I, I haven't confirmed. Are the Chiefs going with the gold end zone Sunday? Yes. Oh, is that your favorite? Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. Gold yeah. end zone, uh, it's just Chiefs in red, and then you get the arrowhead on the left-hand side. Yeah, yeah. And the Eagles are going with their their name mark in white and a green end zone with uh, their logo on right. the left-hand side. So, yes, it's uh, it's all set up. It's all set up. They got the, the I think it's at the 30s, the Super Bowl logo, and then the NFL logo yeah. at 50. I'm we, a huge uh, field nerd. Yeah, yeah, that this. stuff is great. Um, we got another question here from Ms. Craft. Uh, what are the chances that Biennemi gets a job this offseason? How does the win-loss on Sunday affect those chances? I don't think it matters win-loss. Um, it's a good question. I I think we're kind of going to watch Biennemi entertain other job offers if, if they come. Um, he almost left last year. Uh, and we were, we were the ones who broke that he was coming back. Um, I could see a scenario like that happening again. I could also see a scenario where he gets offered an OC job elsewhere, maybe even the head coaching job in India, although it seems like that's a long shot. Um, but I think for him, maybe it's time for something different. You know, I, yeah. you know and, I, and I would wish him all the best. I would also selfishly feel like it's the last time I have to answer the question, does he call the plays? Right. Because right. he does not call the plays, but that has not stopped people from believing it for the last five years. Yeah, yeah. That's and that's and as 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 we are joined here from a great former chief. How you doing? Nick Lowry is here. Hey, how about the best story in football, the Kansas City Chiefs, from the ownership down to Mark Donovan in the best in stadium experience in the NFL to the coolest quarterback <laughs> on the field and off to the funniest, outrageous, best tight end in the NFL, to the best pass rusher in the National Football League, and a great team by itself. I, I gotta bad. ask it right off the bat. First of all, well put. Second yeah. of all, you're rocking some serious jewelry. Yeah. You, well, you've thank got the, you, the Clark Hunt, the for letting me have That's beautiful. that. The, yeah. the, the Super Bowl ring represents 50 years either of frustration or what it is now, which is we're back. <laughs> Yeah. Boys and girls. Yeah. That's right. Could I you, like the, yeah, the necklace you the got. Necklace. The necklace. Nice. I mean, for a kicker, that's perfect. So, uh, Randy Mahomes, Patrick's mother, has this. Clark Hunt has one. Mark Donovan has one. And anybody that contributes 300 bucks to my foundation for Champions for the Homeless can get one, too. So, okay. it's, sure, it's pretty nice. Sure. Yeah, yeah. There you go, guys. Look at that. that. That's, uh, that's Three, pretty cool. $300? Yep. And, they and get it's that. a write-off, and they get they get one of these. What's yep. the website? Where do they need to go to to Nicklowry.org, do that? Nicklowry.org, and it's the official 501c3, and we've, we've served 100,000 homeless in 17 years. And we're going to be featured as the Arizona nonprofit uh, to be featured at the Lee Steinberg Super Bowl party on Saturday. That's great. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Uh, so you. who are you with, and what are you guys here I am with promoting? one of the finest people yeah. I've ever met, truly, uh, who just stepped down as the chief of uh, the Border Patrol in Yuma. I've done two events there with Brian Erlacher, thanks to Sonia Mashmeyer, and uh, we handed out 75 footballs to the Border Patrol who were, you know, they've been 
missing people. They've been forgotten. And just uh, meeting Chris and talking to Raul Ortiz, who's the national director, saying, hey, listen, we're here for you. We want to make sure that you're not forgotten, not because there aren't people trying to come into this country, you know, because they want to make America better, but because, of course, there are a thousand people a day just on the southern border that are coming in and you cannot figure out who are coming in for fentanyl and human trafficking as opposed to coming in for, you know, what, what you might call the right reasons. Yeah. And Chris, can you talk to us about this is not I think a lot of people, they hear a lot about the border and everything that's going on, but they don't really know. This seems like a really difficult hard job for many different reasons, right? I mean, you know, uh, it, some traumatic stuff happening down there. People are desperate. You got people trying to get drugs. It's just, uh, it, can you talk to us a little bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I, I, I'm just grateful to have this relationship with Nick because we're come down to the border and, and, and take care of our, our men and women that wear the uniform. But yes, we're dealing with people, both sides of the border, so it's complex. Uh, you're dealing with uh, smuggling organizations, cartels that are commodity neutral, and it's all about making money. It's profit making for them. And so people from all over the world, and when I say that, I'm not kidding. Last year alone, when I was chief in Yuma, we had over 115 different countries we, we arrested people from. And most of our neighbors to the south in Mexico, Central America, weren't even in my top 10 countries. So it's a world <laughs> problem that's coming in, and what it's doing is stressing the resources that we have because people are coming in uh, across the border illegally and our agents are having to respond. Well, these people are, are trying to take advantage of some of, of our system where our agents get frustrated because they know what's going to happen. They're going to be, end up being released. But the real bad actors, the ones that are bringing the heavy narcotics, the ones that are criminal uh, aliens, the ones that could be, you know, somebody that has real bad intentions are, are getting away. We, in the last two years, the Southwest borders have over five million arrests and over a million known gotaways. And so the agents get very frustrated because their hands are kind of tied because they're dealing with this migration flow instead of focusing on this national security and border security issue. So trying to find that balance takes a toll. And so bringing legends like Nick Lowry and Brian Erlacher and Randy Grimes and others in the mental health uh, 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 profession to come down and just talk to agents and say, hey, thank you for what you're doing. You're truly the heroes has been a blessing to me. And, and, and yeah, and, and, and that's, that goes a long way. Is it is it something from your perspective that with the mental health component specifically, has that advanced in recent years? Is is you know mental health has kind of entered the national consciousness, not just in this particular instance, but I feel like in general, that's been more of a conversation, right? I mean, it feels like people are maybe taking care of themselves a little bit better, or at least realizing that they should. Do you see that shift in, in border patrol, or is it is it kind of? just at its infancy. It's, it's well, I, I think we've made the shift. Uh, I think that it has been, well, I know for a fact no one wanted to talk about peer support and chaplaincy or saying, hey, are you thinking about killing yourself? You know, that, that was taboo. Uh, you're a type A, you're a law enforcement, you don't talk about those things. You just swallow that uh, until something, until it manifests and becomes a problem. And uh, that's not the way we've learned over time, right? We've gotten educated that that's not a good way to stifle your emotions, stifle, stifle that you see trauma or you have years of cumulative trauma. And so we need to just make sure we can talk about it. Not every, every agent or any, many of the agents have issues, but you know what, we wanna make sure before that ever gets to that, before they make a bad decision or say something wrong or do something wrong, that they know they're taken care of, they're appreciated and they're loved, and that we're gonna get them help if they need it. It should not be a stigma to say, hey, I'm not feeling okay today, I need to talk about it. So I actually, um the brand ambassador for COPA Health, Mental Health, and you see Michael Phelps and Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka talking about that mental health is important to them, which created some space. And you know, football players and CTE, we've had my friend Junior Sale commit suicide and you know, too many people, my, uh, Kenny Stabler, you name it, some yeah. great players. Same thing with veterans, et cetera. So mental health is something I hope in COPA Health 
can begin to work with the Border Patrol to say, hey, we're here to make sure that before anything gets bad, you are able to feel on top of your life and not feel like it's too much because that's what happens day after day it becomes too much i imagine it's helpful to see other you know similar types of guys right guys when they go in the law enforcement seeing nfl players who have also been traditionally viewed as tough guys and not allowed to you know talk about their mental health come down and, be, and and look out for you and say hey it's okay to talk about these things in fact it's important that we do i mean that that is exactly it that is exactly it well I don't know. I think it was a couple of the players. It may have been Randy Grimes. But, you know, they talk about, hey, you know, we geared up for for three hours on a Sunday and we had an off season. Law enforcement and, and particularly in the Border Patrol, uh, you know, it's it's you're all the time. You know, you don't get a break. And, and the media has been, you know, not so favorable. And some of the politicians involved in things have not been so favorable. And it takes a toll. But after the, uh, you know, when a football player has a bad game, they talk about it, but they're ready for next week. But it so there is similarities, right? And again, when you can have Hall of Famers and the most accurate kicker at Chiefs yeah. history, all yeah. that come in and say, hey, man, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. That goes a long way. And that's huge. And, you know, the other thing is, who else is telling the story? Uh, if, if 60 Minutes and 2020 come in and front line say we want to go into the facilities, talk to these people, find out what's going on, how well are they being treated, they're shut out. How do you do that? How do you right. not allow our media to just see the story and let people, honest Americans, hardworking Americans of all races, make up their own minds? To me, yeah. that is doing a disservice and a disrespect to Americans that are working hard to do the right thing. And I think, you know, we're in this climate now where probably 85% of Americans are doing the right thing, working hard, paying taxes, and, and want an America that's diverse and respects all people. And uh, let's pull ourselves together and honor people that are serving this country the way they are. So yeah. that's that's our only goal is to tell the story because no one else is telling it. Yeah. That's well said. I, I couldn't agree more. And I'm, to switch your, to football for, for a bit, I you made a lot of big kicks in your career. You had a long career. You had a great, distinguished career. We're going to talk to Adam Vinatieri tomorrow, another man who, who made wow. big kicks. Yep, he um, sure did. When you played, how did you manage your nerves when you had a big kick? Whether, you know, game-winning kick, game-tying kick. I mean, what, what was it for you? Well, there you are two you basic voices. Cool. One, you run around going, holy my God, this is the scariest thing ever. Oh, help me, Mom. And then there's the other one that says, shut up. You practice. What you do is literally, seriously, you practice. Every practice kick is a situation with what I call healthy pressure. And this is true for all athletes. You make practice that way so that when you're in the game, you're back at practice. And that's what Harrison Butker does. That's what uh, Pete Carroll did for the, the Jets when I was with them. That's what Andy Reid does. you got to create that game mentality. And Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, we got to push ourselves in practice so that we can relax. And, you know, frankly, Vince Lombardi said that too. Make practice so hard that it's kind of fun to play the game. Speaking of clutch kickers, Harrison Bucker has, has generally been uh, a pretty clutch kicker for the Chiefs over the years, including nailing a bunch of different game winners in the AFC Championship including game. Including Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Just, just last week. Hello. Um, so, you know, there were comments, there, were a lot, there was a lot, though, you know, he had, a, he had a, a stretch where he had an injury earlier this season, then he had a stretch where he struggled a little bit. There were some comments made by Dustin Colquitt about Tommy Townsend, the holder. What did you see from Butker this year, and why did you think he Let had me that say, period of struggle? Dustin Colquitt did everybody a favor. Uh, he's a great guy. He was a great holder, and he's just saying, hey, don't forget, the holder's important. Tommy Townsend, <laughs> my God, what a great punter. Yeah. Unbelievable. Crushes yeah. the ball every time. But... Maybe you might want to make that practice even more intense so you're ready because the kicker only sees the ball not spinning for two-tenths of a second. If that's cut to one-tenth or if that mark 
where you're supposed to put the ball is missed by three inches. Now suddenly a 50-yarder is missed by one foot that could have gone right down the middle. Yeah. So I think it's perfect because look how he's performed the last two games. Tommy's a great guy, incredibly talented. But I think maybe, you know, sometimes we got to hear the bad news to push ourselves to get better. And, and Harrison, did he ever make a, an excuse? Did he nope. ever make an excuse? Never. What a great human being. I'm so proud of him. I'm jealous of him, frankly, because he's so <laughs> yeah. good. But uh, you know what, Harrison? You're going to have to make a few this time, and I, I know you're going to do it. What? Uh, who, first, let me ask you, who is your favorite holder in your career? Who is the guy you – Steve Fuller was awesome. awesome. Uh, you know, my first holder, and Steve Pallor. I was uh, 24 in a row in 1990, 21 in a row in 1991, and 22 for 24 in 1992. So, you know, Steve uh, – Pallor was great. Brian uh, Barker, my punter, was yeah. very good. But I'd say Steve Pallor was probably – I just didn't have to think about it. What, what was the most memorable kick of your career that you made? You know, I'm, I'm lucky to say three game-winning field goals in the Pro Bowl, but they don't they pale in comparison to game-winning field goal to beat Pittsburgh in overtime. Joe Montana, Marcus Allen, J.J. Burden, Keith Cash, and all the other heroes, Derek Thomas, Neil Smith in that really cold game and then we go to uh, Houston I didn't have to kick a field goal and we beat Warren Moon after 11 straight victories and come back to 25,000 people at Kansas City Airport welcoming us back that's pretty cool stuff yeah fellas thank you so much for stopping by we know you got to get to more tables before you go Who's going to win on Sunday? 31-24. It's going to be tied going into the fourth quarter. Okay. Remember, it was 20-10 to 10 for San Francisco with seven and a half minutes left That's right. a couple of, three years ago. And then we're going to pull away. We're going to win by a touchdown. 31-24. Okay. Guys, thank you hey, so much. Thanks, thank guys. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, really thanks for all you do. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, guys. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs, Go indeed. Nick Lowry and Chris Clem uh, doing some great work helping our heroes out. Yeah, Thanks. appreciate you. Thanks so much. Um, by the way, one of our co-hosts is Sterling Holmes. I believe you know that guy. Yeah, I love yeah. you, Sterling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love, love to Sterling from Nick. Um, that was that was awesome, Burger. And what, was, what yeah. were some of your takeaways from that that discussion? Uh, that Steve Blair was a pretty damn good holder. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think look, you know what? It's 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 interesting when you hear somebody who did that who did that at such a high level in Nick yeah, where yeah. you know, if you, you think of three inches on a hold, you know, so be, right but in the NFL that is like yeah. that's the difference between as, as Nick pointed out, making a field goal easily and missing it. Um, you know, or the two tenths of a second. I yeah, I'd never heard that before. That that's I, the stuff had, that you don't get as no, a fan, you and know. And I'll tell you, and it, we didn't talk about it here, but I forget where I was told this, but it was just during the season um, you know, with, with kickers, not only do they have that two-tenths of a second thing, which you'll learn today, but there's so many intricacies with the snap. Like, the, the best snappers in the league snap the ball in a way that the laces are in a particular spot so that the whole thing right. doesn't have to spin it more than a quarter turn. Right. That's bonkers to me. Like, they, <laughs> they, And I, I get it. You're a professional, and that's what you do for a living, and so, yeah. but so I don't care. Like, yeah, yeah. to be able to hit that spot over and over and over and over, and over is just incredible yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then just the border stuff, you know, yes. I, I just think it's great what they're doing. Obviously, you know, being able to talk about mental health, it's so important. And I just think, too, like those guys down there, I just want to say, like, the way that they get drug into the political stuff, like it's they get fair. politicized. It's not fair to those yeah, guys. It's not a political thing. Right. It yeah. isn't. It's a dangerous job. You know, and they're down there doing, you know, they're doing their best. Yeah, and I, so I look forward to getting killed for saying this. But yeah. I, I you know what? The conversation around not only border agents but police in general has gone so sideways. Like, there's good and bad in every profession. Yep. And I certainly have one perspective that I only can live because it was my life. But I, I have a lot of family members who are in law enforcement, 
And, you know, I think like Chris kind of alluded to, these guys deal with, not just guys, but girls as well, women as well, deal with so much mentally. You know, I don't mind saying, I don't think he'd, like my best friend is a police officer and couldn't meet a nicer human being. I mean, could not meet a nicer guy. And they go through, I mean, you know, you find an eight-year-old who passed away. You're trying to revive that kid for 45 minutes, yeah. and you get him to the hospital with a pulse, and they die at the hospital. You know, that's the stuff people don't think about. They, you know, they see these these unfortunate, awful videos, yep. and these people who do these things should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, of course. But you don't see that the police officer who's a hero saves somebody. You know what I think? Yeah. All those things combined take such a mental toll. If you're human at all, it takes a toll on you. I thought Chris really put it well. I thought yeah. he did. Yeah, it was great. It was a great interview. Really appreciate them coming by. And yes. make sure you go to Nick's website, by the way. You know, I just spent... NickLowry.org. Yeah, NickLowry.org. <laughs> I just spent some money over at the team shop. As you know, there's a lot of really great gear yes. down here. And I'm seeing that bling he's wearing around his neck. Beautiful. I could have gotten myself one of those for what I'm spending over almost, well, maybe not quite that much. But, dope. But, <laughs> yes, I, I wish I wish he would have come by before I went over to the team shot. That's, that's that was all pretty I cool. Say. I, I yeah. thought it was like some custom piece of like he only had like a cheese, you know, cleat. Like, yeah, right. yeah. Nope. Nope. It was interesting. So what I want to, I want to draw attention to that, you know, Clark Hunt got him a ring. And that's, 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 pre cool. that's pretty yep. cool that to go back that far. And I'm sure other legends got a ring. Um, why didn't we get rings? Is, is kind of, you know, I would have enjoyed one. Yeah, um, I mean, we've de we've devoted our entire lives to the Kansas City Chiefs. That's right. That's as, right. Um, it would have been it would have been nice. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, Clark was there last night. That, that would have been great. Yeah, should have gone up to me. Hey, <laughs> I'm still waiting on my ring. Where's my ring? Yeah. Like, what's going on here? Went through another. Yeah. Yeah. You know, can you imagine? Like, yeah, he's just handing them out to every season ticket holder or right. something. Right. Oh man. I mean, they're talking even for him. That's a that's a good check. Yeah. Yeah. But, sure is. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm still waiting on mine. I think I lost in the mail. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Elijah in the chat says, appreciate a nuanced opinion, Matt. Yeah, like this stuff is, you know, everybody wants to make everything black and white. And we're not going to go too far down the political spectrum here, but no. people don't allow for a lot of nuance these days. Real conversations do not happen without it. Exactly. You cannot have, no, look, there are, the, no, now there are people, and this is a political thing, there are people who have opinions that are just so far out of the realm of, of it's like, you know, somebody came up and said, hey, I think the sun is actually purple. Well, it's not. Yeah, yeah, there's right. no nuance there. We right. But in most things in life, important issues, important topics, like there's there's nuance to be had. Yeah. And and people just it, and you know what? Look, that that comes from you know just just being in an echo chamber. But I feel like Chris yeah. did a really good job of explaining. Like, look, these people are human beings dealing with who are also, by the way, dealing with other human beings. And he's right when he says, yeah. and of course he would know a hell of a lot better than us, or or dealing with. A range of things. It could be a cartel member. It could be a mother with a, a family of four just trying to get to a better life. Right. I mean, those people obviously need to be treated differently. There go nuance. That's yeah. where it comes in. Yeah, absolutely. Let us know some of your questions uh, in the chat. We got one here from Ms. Kraft. Uh, heard you guys talking about this yesterday. If we win the Super Bowl on Sunday, are you guys planning on going to the parade route? Um, would like to come by and say hi. I think we might try to figure something out. If, that, if I do, that I've got to bring my daughter. Oh yeah, yeah, I have yeah. to bring Mason. Yeah, yeah. The parade. Yeah, she she has to go. She'll have a blast. That would be a day of hooky. Yeah. I, I are, you, are you okay with her being around a, a, a really drunk coworker? Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, she's around really <laughs> drunk family members. Right. Yeah. There you go. She's been to Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think <laughs> how much worse could it be? I love right. it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, the, how how do you feel about a parade in Kansas City in February? 
Great. Yeah, right? No, You're like, you don't care. I'll get a no, coat. No. We wear our starter jackets. That's right. That's we, well, one of us. Because if we were, we both wear them. Well, we'll, have to, we'll have to draw tools. straws. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, hey, man, listen. I, that's one of those things. Do you really care what the weather is? <laughs> no. Are you really concerned no. about it? Like, no. I, I feel like you're like, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Throw the confetti. Yeah. I mean, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but if the Chiefs were to win, boy, what a spring, like late winter spring in Kansas City. You'd have yeah. a parade, a Super Bowl, a parade, and then the NFL draft. Unless let's forget we were there. Yeah, December. of course, yeah. Right. We, we were there in December. By the way, that was pointed out that the Chiefs have not lost since we did our live show in Kansas City at that Tanner's is, on oh, Rainbow. Yeah. That's so, that's true. Where yeah. I, I went on an all-time Verdurant heater in the uh, in the bathroom during the during yeah. halftime, I yeah. was furious with them as they were blowing a twenty-seven nothing lead to Denver. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, bump, bump asks, did you? Uh, well, we haven't we haven't interviewed him yet. Are you going to ask the uh, PFF guy about how Burrow had a better rating than Mahomes in the AFC yes. Championship game? Uh, yeah, yes. you're going to ask him just yes. straight up. Yes, it's fair. Is that not a fair question? I think it's a fair question. I mean, I'm not going to ask like a jerk or anything, but right. I, I mean, just explain to people who are not familiar with the grading <laughs> systems how you come to that kind of a conclusion. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, if you can answer that, and I'm sure Steve will answer that question. does an excellent job. But, I mean, I think anybody who works at a company, of course you can answer that question, right? So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, I think most people want to know with, with PFF and not just PFF, but other places like Football Outsiders who we're going to try to have on tomorrow, like, DVOA, right? Like, what yeah. goes into that? Right. How do you make the sausage? I think people want to know that. Uh, we got a question here. Let me just check this. Um, uh, if the Chiefs, oh, this the, Verderam might know this one because he knows everything about NFL history. If the Chiefs win, will this be the first time in NFL history where the city who won the Super Bowl also hosted the draft? Now, the draft hasn't been outside of New York for Ooh, that long. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really yeah, that's an interesting question. Just repeat that one more time, so I can yeah. It, it, if so, if. Uh, has the team that won the Super Bowl ever then turned around and hosted the NFL draft? Okay. So the draft, as you point out, was at Radio City for, for ever. Yeah. Or it was in a New York hotel. It used to be in New York hotel. Yeah. So without having it directly in front of me, I would think that you've definitely had the Giants in 86, the Jets were in 68, the Giants in 90, the Giants, I believe, it still would have been in New York in 07. Was it, was, I don't know. Was it still there in 2011? I'm not sure. Somebody's asking if Philly hosted it. Yeah, I was just trying to think the that. The year after I knew they, they won. Did. Yeah. Um, I'll have to look that up. That's interesting. That's but a really tricky question. Outside of New York, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not yeah. sure. Um, that's, a, that's a really good question. Though. Yeah, I yeah. never thought about that. Yeah. It, would uh, be, it would be rare. That's for damn sure. Somebody says, didn't the Giants do it? They would have had to because of New York. Right, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Giants, would Jets, be the definitely Giants. would yeah. have. Yeah. I don't know. That that for sure. I don't know outside of New York because Philly was the one I immediately thought of. Like, what year was that? We know the Bears yeah. didn't do it. Yeah. Um, Titans didn't do it. I mean, that's where they've been. You know, the Browns. No, they didn't do it. Nope, not so, in Cleveland. Um, it, yeah, I'd have, to, I'd have to look that up. I'm not entirely sure. Do you like that the draft travels now? Like, I personally, I'm a bit of a traditionalist, and I used to live in New York, so maybe that's why I feel this way. And I went to the draft at Radio City for years. Right. Um, now it moves around, but you think that's a good thing because fans who maybe, like, New York's an expensive place to go. You want to go to the draft. It's hard for some families, whereas if the draft comes to you, it might be a little bit more affordable. I, I think, you know, at first I'm a traditionalist, and I was like, oh, I liked it, you know, where it is, but... You know what I think? I gotta be fair. I like that it moves around now a little bit. It, yeah. it makes it interesting. It makes it different. Each city can have its own flavor. Yeah. You know, I think that's kind of cool. I like that. Um, so 
All right, so here, here's the answer, by the way. Okay. So Chicago hosted it at times. So Chicago in 1963, they won. So Chicago a few times hosted when they were the champs. Um, <laughs> the Raiders, no. <laughs> um, so Chicago did it a few times. Mm-mm. New York, the Jets, the Giants all four times. Uh, and then Philly, they won their title on what? It was 2017. They won. Sounds right, yeah. They ho- and they so they hosted it going into the year they won the Super Bowl. Got it. So there's your answer. There All you right. go. Um, we got a question from Michael. Uh, by the way, if you have questions for us while we're waiting for our next guest, feel free, fire away. Super Chats get priority. Appreciate all of you. Michael says, is it possible that we will see the Eagles defense get exposed like Brandon Ayuk believes? Now, if you didn't see Brandon Ayuk, he said some comments a couple of days ago basically saying that he thought the 49ers knew how to be the Eagles defense and were going to expose them, but they weren't able to because of the quarterback injuries. And he said he thought the Chiefs were basically going to – he didn't say this exactly, but he thought they were going to, the Chiefs are going to light up the Eagles – uh, and Michael goes on to say the Eagles have only played two great quarterbacks on the year when they and they gave up 40 to Dallas and 33 to Rodgers. And frankly, neither one of them were excellent this year. Right. Prescott led the league in picks despite missing a month and a half. Uh, they played Trevor Lawrence, but they played him in week four in a driving rainstorm. Yeah. And Rodgers had absolutely nobody to throw the ball to, and he played half the game. She got hurt. Right. So that is one looming question over this game it's a fair one like the eagles have played absolutely nobody at the quarterback position most this year right i mean they played goff in week one goff honestly of all the quarterbacks they face he probably the best year of anybody yeah yeah and he was week one they scored 35 points on philly yeah so i don't know i will say this the eagles in the last two years have had jonathan gannon as their defensive coordinator who by the way does a very good job but when they have played a playoff team in those years they have gotten torched repeatedly any playoff team they played that had a quarterback lit up like a Christmas tree, literally without fail. I think Philly's going to have to score in the 30s to win this game. I really do. And the, and the Chiefs have not given up 30 once all year long. So I, I think Philly's going to have to do something nobody else has done against them. It is going to be so exciting on Sunday. I know you guys are getting more and more excited. Fire those questions in. Listen, if you want to support us, there's a lot of different ways to do this. You, you, you might know we have memberships. we got a lot of really great members. They're commenting. Um, we've got a really great Discord uh, that we have uh, just building this great Chiefs community. Yep. There's a bunch of different levels. There should be a link in the description if you want to become part of the Arrowhead Attic community. We just had a happy hour a couple weeks ago. We did a fantasy football league. A lot of fun stuff. It's awesome getting to know you guys. I was texting with some of the members that are here uh, last night even. So it's, it's really awesome. Um, William DeLong says, are you guys going to be in the stadium for the game? I will not be. Verderam will be in yes, there somewhere. I will be there. Yeah, he'll I'll be in there. The game. Yeah, um, I'm not going to be, uh, and I'm very, I'm very happy to say that the, that the reason is because Vansided has partnered with Special Olympics yes. this year, uh, and we've got a special correspondent, Special Olympics athlete, Malcolm. He's going to the game with Verderam. He's he's our reporter. He's gonna. Do, he did an awesome job last night at Radio Row. Uh, as our next guest comes to join us, yeah. how you doing, Steve? Steve, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for stopping by. Pro Football Focus is in the house. Got it. Let's go. I'm here. (laughs) Let's go. You've been making the rounds today? Yeah, a little bit. uh, It's been fun. Yeah, staying busy. When did you get into town? Uh, Yesterday morning. So I usually get in Monday night. It was nice to get in, get settled. And uh, Tuesday is usually when it starts to get crazy here. And for people, where are you based out of? 
Um, I'm in Cincinnati, so right. PFF's headquarters, right. we're all in Cincinnati now. Originally from Boston, oh. though. So that's why you guys rated Joe Burrow higher than Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> oh, geez, you're from here Cincinnati. We go. Here we go. We, this is, we know we got a Chiefs podcast going here. We got to get into it. I think that's we know that's what our listeners want to know. And you guys catch flack. I think. Look, when when you when you grade uh, uh, one of the players that everybody likes highly, everybody loves PFF. When you grade somebody low, you guys are hacks. So is Mahomes low? He's not low. He's one of our top graded quarterbacks again. That's so. right. That's I think right. what people are curious about, just in general, forget I mean the Mahomes, bro. Like, how is a sausage made, right? Because yeah. I think a lot of times people look at it, and, and look, as, as Patrick alluded to, if it, if somebody's a fan of a team and the player is graded highly, you guys yeah, are of course. great. Yeah, yeah. Say, hey, yeah. PFS said he was the best left guard of the week. Right. And then like. If that guy's great at 13th, it's like, well, I don't care about what that's Yeah. Can you take people, give a little peek behind the curtain? How, sure. How do the grades come week by week and then, of course, cumulatively throughout the year? Yeah, so we grade every player on every play, and it's all production-based. So in the situation of a quarterback, when a QB makes a great throw down the field, 40 yards right in the receiver's hands, gets the same exact grade whether the receiver catches it or not. So that is where we probably have probably the biggest disconnect with fans, especially in a one-game sample where QB makes two or three great throws that probably fall incomplete or a couple bad throws that maybe don't get intercepted when they should. And we're just trying to stay objective about their contribution on every single play. And so, again, when a quarterback throws the ball right to a linebacker, whether it gets caught or not, it's getting the same grade. Bad read, threw it to a linebacker. So we do that on a play-by-play basis. We roll it up into a 0-100 to grade, both at the game level and then at the season level. So it's just having... uh, context added to every single play on the offensive line. I mean, our guys are trained up to say, okay, here's what we're expecting from a guard and a tackle and a double team on power against the three technique and getting to the second level against the linebacker. Our guys are trained up to see the game through the same eyes as much as possible to say, here's what a positive looks like. Here's what a negative looks like. And we try to just stay as consistent as possible. And at the end of the year, you know, we have grades that get put out there that are context around that particular player. Now there's other contexts that say you know, some schemes are easier than others and that needs to be factored in that might not be baked into the grade, but that's why it's not as simple as just saying, this guy's a 90, this guy's an 89.2, right. therefore he's better. Is it, for you, do you feel that some positions are a lot harder to grade than others? Like, do you look at it and go, you know what, this position, there's a lot of there's a lot of gray area as maybe opposed to another position. We go, okay, well, it's a little bit more black and white. Yeah, so there's some gray areas you know, along, you know, in the trenches and all that stuff. But I think our trench work is actually really, really good because it's really consistent year to year. When you look at our best offensive and defensive linemen, when you break it down by facet, it's pretty consistent year to year, pass blocking, run blocking, the whole thing. I think the further you get away from the ball when you get into the secondary and corner play and safety play, uh, there's gray areas because that's just tough. I mean, it, it, right. football's challenging because a lot of times a corner is at the mercy of who he plays more than other positions. Uh, when you're playing a good receiver you know, QB combination, you're probably going to get beaten more often. That's just the, the nature of the position. Um, so the, the positions that are tough for scouts to evaluate are tough for us who are not really scouts. We're just um, adding a production component to it. It's tough for us to evaluate as well. So I'd say corners and safeties are, are so there's, that position. There's no curve though, right? Like if you're always going up against the other team's number one receiver, do you factor anything in for that? We don't bake it into the raw grade, but that's like context that we would use in say storytelling after the fact, or you could yeah. use um, some of our other data to say, hey, this guy graded as 90 and this guy was a 90, but this one guy had, you know, was playing man coverage against the number one every week, and this guy was playing zone coverage every single week. Therefore, it's a different type of 90. The grade is basically saying, here's how well this guy performed in the role that he was asked to perform, and then you have to add some context on top of that. 
You know, when you see somebody like Patrick Mahomes, he's a, he's a weird guy to grade, I would imagine, because he's so unorthodox, right? I mean, yeah. he's not going to be Tom Brady, who stands in the pocket, gets the ball out in a couple of seconds. Mahomes will do things that most guys won't even try to do. Right. <laughs> Does it make it difficult to grade him because he's just so out of the box compared to maybe a stereotypical pocket passer? Yeah, there's definitely challenges, I think, with Mahomes. And um, I always pre- – I love Patrick Mahomes, but, right, I always preface these things. I used <laughs> yeah. to – I start with that. He is awesome. However, he's also in one of the best systems in the NFL. Sure. Um, and until this year, he had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. This year, only Travis Kelsey. So Mahomes is in this position where I think he does do special things that maybe are tough to quantify. But he also, there's been a, a lot of times throughout his career where I don't think he, he personally has had a great game. But the offense has still performed, right? You know, statistically, there was a point where statistically he had never really had a bad game until maybe the Super Bowl against the Bucks. But we had had him with bad games where he didn't play well, but there was a tap pass for a touchdown and a shovel pass for a touchdown, and the stats look great at the end of the day. So I think there's this combination of Patrick special, the offense is incredible, they've done a great job with the playmakers, they've got more yards after the catch than any team in the league by far this year, and that's not a it's not a knock, it's a description, right? So when you look at the stats and the production, sometimes we always equate it directly to the quarterback, and sure. he deserves most of the credit there, but I think he's also been in this incredible ecosystem to help elevate his game as well. Well, I mean, we got a big game on Sunday. You guys have been grading these teams all year long. Based on your grades for these two teams, on the season heading into Sunday who do you think has the advantage I mean I, I think it's close I, I think a lot everybody on media row here is going to be saying it's going to be a great game it's going to be close I agree with all of that I mean I think the Eagles are probably the better all-around team but the the biggest advantage is a quarterback for the Chiefs with Mahomes right I mean he is the cheat code and um, even in those times where I said maybe he hasn't had a great game like the Super Bowl against the Niners. I don't think he was great for three quarters of that game, but he was unbelievable in the fourth quarter, right? And you still have that, and they still got to 31 points, right? So that's where I think Mahomes might be able to trump all of the Eagles' advantages. But the Eagles, I think, are the best all-around team in the NFL. They have different ways to win. They can win in the pass game, win with the run game. Pass rush is incredible, and their coverage unit is so much better than it was last year, um, and they really improved in that area. So I would say the Eagles have the, if you go position by position, advantage. checks. But... You know, the Chiefs have the trump card, I think, in Mahomes. What do you think is the X factor in the game? I think it's the Eagles receivers. Um, the, the Chiefs are going to have – they're going to play X amount of man coverage, and they'll play their press and all that stuff. And I think A.J. Brown has had such a transformative effect on that offense in Philadelphia, the same way he did in Tennessee, right? I mean, Ryan Tannehill decided to have career years all of a sudden when A.J. Brown got drafted. It wasn't because of Derrick Henry. It was A.J. Brown. And, and now – Jalen Hurts is having that career year. So I think it's A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith making plays. If they can make some plays against the Chiefs' young corners on the outside, that's going to give the Eagles the best chance in, the, in what I think will be a close game, you know, in the low 20s or so. Based on how they played this year in your grades, what do you think the Chiefs need to do better in this game to give themselves a better chance to beat Philly? I usually don't focus on – I mean, it's it's a pass-the-ball, pass, pass the ball, throw, uh, stop the pass type of league. Yeah. If the Chiefs can stop the run a little bit better, though, if they can do that and make the Eagles a little bit more one-dimensional or just get a lead, right? just getting a lead and forcing the Eagles to pass the ball a little bit more. The Eagles haven't played that brand of football a ton. So I think if the, if the Chiefs do a good job on first and second down, stop the run a little bit better, which is challenging against the Eagles' O-line and Jalen Hurts and their running backs – that should give the, the Chiefs a better opportunity here. Yeah, you know, this might be a little bit of a tough question, but the Eagles this year, I think everybody would agree, 
best offensive line in football, if not top two, top three in the yep. league. I mean, phenomenal unit. They're 24th as a team, though, in sack rate, which is weird. I mean, Hurts is this dynamic, mobile quarterback. The offensive line's terrific. Based on what you've seen, is it because maybe Hurts will hold the ball a little bit, trying to make the special play, teams bring pressure? What, what do you think is the reason for having such a great line, a mobile quarterback, and yet a sack rate that is bottom quarter of the league? Yeah, so sack rate's usually a quarterback-driven number. Yep. You know, So the fact that Mahomes has a low sack rate isn't, a, you know, because of his offensive line necessarily it's because he's unbelievable at avoiding sacks he invites pressure which might make the line look bad sometimes it might make orlando brown look bad sometimes when it's mahomes dropping to 12 yards right but he doesn't get sacked hertz does hold the ball a little bit too long and some of those sacks have come on rpos right so it's a run play he's pulling it it's not the line's fault they're basically run blocking yeah. the throw's not there hertz is taking a sack so it's basically on him you know, a couple of decisions here and there. Gardner Minshew took some sacks that he probably shouldn't have as well against the Saints. So I think that's where it comes from. The line is really good in pass protection. They're really good run blocking, but it's on Hurts. And that's, you know, those are coverage sacks too, but it's really on the quarterback to make sure he's getting rid of the ball. Do you think the Chiefs front is a little bit underrated in this game nationally? It seems like, I mean, look, everybody knows Philadelphia's tremendous up front, rightfully so. They're great. The Chiefs had three pro bowlers up front. You could argue whether Orlando Brown should have been a pro bowler or not. They had a couple of guys yeah. who were all pros and Tooney and Humphrey. Do you think that that group might end up being a little bit more of a story if the Chiefs win, especially on Sunday? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think there's a world where Mahomes' quick release and getting rid of the ball against the Eagles' zone coverage helps protect the line a little bit. But the line was unbelievable in those two games, particularly the Jags game. Like, when Mahomes couldn't move, it was almost like they said, all right, that's it. Step up your game. And the interior especially, they, nobody was getting close to Mahomes. The offensive line was spectacular in pass protection against the Jags. Thought they did a great job against the Bengals as well. So yeah, there's a world where we wake up on Monday morning saying, oh, the Chiefs offensive line that let them down two years ago because they were all hurt, they were a big part of the Chiefs you know, Super Bowl win here. You mentioned that sometimes quarterbacks can invite sacks and the, the, whatever Chiefs fans watch this line, they, they point out Andrew Wiley is kind of the weak link. But I've seen some conflicting things. He's He's been accredited with being responsible for some sacks. I saw an, uh, a column from Bill Barnwell who mentioned that up until just a couple weeks ago, he was they had him ranked ninth in pass block win rate. And, uh, and, and, he, and Barnwell kind of posited that like maybe some of those sacks were on Mahomes. I don't know if you have an encyclopedic knowledge of every player you guys have graded, but do you have an opinion on Wiley? Do you, do you think it's true he is the weak link or is maybe some of that on Mahomes? I think he's the weak link because everybody else is good. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the issue. He's solid. I mean, yeah. this reminds me, uh, Zach Streif was the right tackle for the Saints for years and Saints fans didn't like him. And we were like, he's one of the best right tackles in the NFL. I mean, yeah. that's just yeah. what he is. I think Wiley's solid. I don't have his numbers off the top top of my head but I think we have a solid pass blocking grade for him yeah the other thing too is when you when you look at volume pressures allowed sacks allowed it's like well the Chiefs throw the ball more than most teams in the NFL as right. well so of course he's going to allow more pressure so is Wiley the weak link yes because everybody else is really good but I don't think he's a disaster there again like Mike Remmers was a similar type of player but he did get owned in that Super Bowl so I don't think you're going to see that from Wiley you guys look at Chris Jones this year and say unequivocally he's the best tackling. Obviously, Aaron Donald's had that for the better part of a decade, rightfully. Yeah. So, Jones has had a career year and a, and a career where he's been great by and large. Where do you guys rank him, stack him up uh, as far as the year he's put forth? Yeah, he was number one. I mean, it was a great year for interior defensive linemen. I think Dexter Lawrence sure. was in that conversation yep. for the Giants. We saw that in the playoff win against the Vikings. He almost he dominated that game. But yeah, it was Chris Jones. I mean, we saw him against the Bengals and. It, you know, having that type of player, I don't know if he'll have that same type of domination against a, a good Eagles defensive line or offensive line, but 
when you have the advantage, like he did last week against Max Sharping, he's just he's winning almost every single rep. And so that was the type of dominance that Chris Jones brings to the table. Of course, we're looking at pass rushing and run defense. He's great at both. He's disruptive. So yeah, he's going to be a key a key player in this game because he's got to open things up for everyone else. Where the Eagles, they're rolling you know eight deep on that D line that maybe the Chiefs don't have. Yeah. All right, before we let you get out of here, I'm sure everybody's asking you this. What's your prediction for Sunday? How's this one going to turn on out? On Chiefs radio and everything, I only, yeah, I go, I go Chiefs win, you know. So, you know, if I do Philadelphia predictions, we, we go Eagles. That's, is, that, is that allowed? That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Nobody could check me on smart that. Thing. Let's go 27-24 uh, Chiefs. I think they, uh, the dynasty gets pushed forward and they, they pull it off here. Do you okay. think they're a dynasty if they win this game? I mean, it depends on what you're. I mean, I look. I, I'm, I'm asking. I you. make team building decisions. <laughs> I look at them making team building decisions like the the Patriots dynasty, right? You know, you've got your quarterback. What are all the moves that you can make to, you know, make sure that he's successful? And they're they're close to what the Patriots were doing as far as they're locked in for the AFC Championship. It's just a matter of how many titles are they going to win. If they win this, then I think they're definitely in that conversation. Hey, we got Sam Monson coming by tomorrow. What should we ask him? All the same stuff. The same what, should stuff? We, what should we know about him that we can we can need him? Ask him that. tips on. Um, he's losing his hair. Okay. Uh, <laughs> All right. So ask him tips. We know about that. Yeah. Right. Sure, so you okay. have tips on uh, losing his hair. I think that's a good one. Okay. Um, and then rugby questions. You got to ask him some rugby. Oh, okay. Ask uh, how Ireland's going to do this weekend. Okay. In the okay. Six Nations. That's yeah, a big yeah. one. I'll okay. come up. He'll light up. Right. He'll be. He'll be real excited. <laughs> we'll do. Thank you for stopping by. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. PFF. Thanks so much. Thanks, Steve. Take care. All right, so hopefully you got some answers. Thanks a lot, Steve. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Yep. Um, hopefully you guys got some answers. Let's see from the from the chat how you guys thought. Um, oh, I didn't want to look at the chat. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> I I don't I, I don't know if I don't know if Steve won them over with his with his argument. Maybe not so much. Uh, but do you think he had a real shot? No. Uh, but, I, you know, the, the man came on and and yeah. he, he faced some good questions. Obviously, they're good questions. You know what? Though? I got like. I thought what he said was pretty insightful. Yeah. I thought it was pretty interesting, right? Like, now, do I agree with all the stuff of Mahomes? No, I don't. I mean, look, I agree they're in an amazing system. I also think Mahomes very rarely has a game where you're like, wow, he didn't play well. Did yeah. it happen? Sure. Not a lot. Um, but I thought, I really thought his analysis of the Super Bowl was, was pretty spot on, frankly. Yeah. I, I thought yeah. he did a nice job breaking that yeah. down. And what do you think about, because this is something that a lot of people – uh, particularly, you know, Bills fans, Bengals fans, teams, you know, oppositions to the home. Chiefs. Right, yes, teams that are home. Sorry, you know, they, they like to complain. You'll see this on Twitter, like, oh, Mahomes, all he ever does is, you know, throw, throws the ball two feet in front of him, these touch passes. What is your opinion on that? Because, like, yeah, sure, it, it, you know, he gets credited for a touchdown pass. But at the same time, like, do you want your quarterback to be in an offense where everything's hard? Like where they make everything, no, you know, like obviously no, yeah. I do not. And also, look, I, I would say that like he's not he's not unique in that. I mean, look, right. there are definitely I, I cover the whole league, I watch all these teams. There are definitely teams that make it very hard on their quarterback to succeed. Yeah. I'm not arguing that. Hello, Nathaniel Hack. Okay. <laughs> I'm not arguing that. Part. Yeah. What I would say though is if you watch most good to great quarterbacks. They are put in positions to succeed all the time. Right. That happens all the time. Like, a lot of teams do those push passes. Tom Brady, how many times did he throw a two-yard touchdown pass? Right, right. Constantly. Yeah. Right? Like, that's okay. That's not abnormal. That's not something that's weird. Or or you'd go, wow, I, you know, I, I can't believe the Chiefs are doing this newfangled concept. Right, right. Um, 
Mahomes has those plays, but I think what separates Mahomes is obviously the plays that nobody else makes. Yeah. And yeah. that's something he does all the time. Yeah. He is special, and I take him over anybody, anybody in the league. Uh, we're going to have our guy, Matt Connor, coming up. He's going to be joining us remotely. He is not in Arizona because the man is, he's just, his keyboard's probably smoking at this point. Yes. From all the articles that he's been turning out. He's going to be joining us at the half hour mark. Uh, we want more questions from you. So if you want to hear from us on what we think about the Super Bowl, the food down here, the weather, whatever you want, uh, we're, we're here. Uh, so drop some questions in. And uh, while we wait for those questions to come in, I got to tell you, if you want to help out our podcast, if you want more Chiefs coverage like this, if you want us to be able to come down to the Super Bowl, and Vernon and I don't have to share bunk beds. We talked about send this yesterday. No. Please send money. No. Um, <laughs> you can help us out. The, the biggest thing that you can do is sign up with one of our betting partners because they pay us a small fee every time one of you guys signs up. So let's do uh, – how about this one? Let's do Caesars. I don't think we've done Caesars on the show. Uh, if you've not signed up with Caesars, you can go there right now. You can use the code AROWFUL, A-R-R-O-W-F-U-L-L. I don't know why that's the code, but that's the one we got, AROWFUL. Um, and you'll get your first bet on Caesars up to $1,250. This, uh, this is for new customers only, 21 and up. You got to be present in the States when you make the wager. Uh, it's a $10 wager required, and the bet amount of a qualifying wager returned only if the wager is settled as a loss. So the maximum bet credit is $12.50. It must be used within 14 days of receipt. If you have a gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-522-4700 and Colorado and Kansas 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona 888-789-7777 in Connecticut 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa 1-877-770-STOP or you can text 7867 in Louisiana call or text TN Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. Help out the Arrowhead Ad Podcast. Go to Caesars if you've never bet with them. Use the code AROWFUL, and you get that first bet on Caesars up to 1250 That's a good one. But, and yeah. if you want to see any of our other promos, go to arrowheadaddict.com slash bets. Click on those links. We'll get credit for those, too, if you haven't bet with those. Also, a little break news for us. We will okay. have uh, another Chiefs legend on Friday. Oh, who? Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez coming by. That is, well, that is uh, so. Tony Gonzalez is coming by. By the way, we've got somebody tomorrow. Yeah. You might have heard of. He's should pretty. He was pretty good. Should we spill the tea? Yeah. It's Joe Montana. Yes. Joe Montana. Which is going to be the only interview I think I've ever done where I'm actually nervous because Joe Montana was my hero as a child. So yeah. This same. is going to be. Uh, same. This is going to be interesting. Yeah. I may be. Listen, I'm not going to lie. It's going to be the one time in my career I absolutely get a photo with him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, no we'll have a, we'll have no a video. Question. We'll have a video of it. Um, we also got Carson Palmer going to oh, stop. Carson by Palmer stopping by. Which, we got don't mean don't mean to put him right after Joe Montana there. Right, right, in that piece. Right. But, um, but yeah. Carson Palmer, a hell of a quarterback in his own right. Yeah. Got, yeah. Got Tony Richardson. To, yeah. Fullback, yeah. Of course, fullback extraordinaire. Tony Richardson's um, coming by. Um, we're gonna have Clay Harbor. Adam Dan Best Sanders. will be joining us. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys, the, the Justin th Jefferson, the, the Thursday slate, Deion Sanders. Just call it a work. Yeah. Right. For, yeah. Look, look. Here's what you do. You call out of work. You call in dead. Yep. Say, look, I passed away last night. I'll be back in a couple of days. Yeah. Right? Then, if you're in the Kansas City area, you go get some KC beer. All right? You sit down. 
you do the, the right adult thing, you send the kids out of the house because you don't want to have to have them see you like that. And then you pull up one of these things. We just had Patrick read off like 38 different states where right. you have a gambling problem. Right, right. Make the bet, use the promo code. That way we all still are employed by the time we get back from this place. Yeah. And then sit back and watch watch us interview Deion Sanders, Adam Vinatieri, Justin Jefferson, Tony Gonzalez, Joe Montana, on and on and on and on. Okay, you get to see them. You get to hear less of us. It's a win <laughs> right. for everybody. Right. Do the right thing. Yeah, you're getting uh, Chiefs Hall, Hall of Famers, NFL Hall of Famers, me and Verderam. This Sorry, is a pretty big drop off. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty big drop off. The massive yeah. drop off. You know what? Are you gonna do? I think he's going to come by. So supposedly Stephen A. Smith is going to come by tomorrow. Amazing. Now I have long wanted to see you debate Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> I've long, I've long said it. Verderam could walk on, and and, and I, I just think, that, and I'm saying this because I think you're talented. Not because it's an easy job. Thanks. I think you could walk on that first take tomorrow and go toe-to-toe with Stephen A. Smith on almost any topic. All oh, right? Really? If he comes by tomorrow, Thursday, sorry. If he comes by on Thursday and you, you, you got the chance to debate him in something, yeah. let's say, uh, and it was one that you thought you'd feel really confident you could beat him at because this man does this all day every day. Yeah. What would the topic be? I mean, anything about the NFL? And not so much I think I could beat him. I think I could, like... <laughs> Be, I can hold my hold your own. Yeah, I mean because beating him, what the, the man literally does this for a living every day of his yeah. life for the last like 15 yeah. years. The NFL, I, actually, here here's one thing. I, I you know I I feel like I'm confident because I, I heard him talk about this. Man's not a big hockey fan, from my understanding. Yeah, because uh, I, I know he's said on multiple times on TV. Like first of all, I never talked about hockey. Right. Second of all, I've, I've heard him say he's not a hockey guy. So unless I'm completely misremembering, me being a hockey guy, I feel like I'm in good shape. Like, if yeah. I can't hold my own in that argument. I'm in rough shape. Right, right. Right. That'd be like losing an argument about my family. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. That's tough. Yeah. So I would feel good about that. Also going to be coming by is uh, former Philadelphia Eagle Mike Golick. Mike yeah. Golick Senior. Yeah. Why didn't you get us uh, Golick Junior, Hunter? I want both. I want the whole Golick family. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Brian Westbrook's coming by too. What day is that? Friday. Man. Hunter's, uh, Hunter's if you, coming through in a big Hunter way. Is, if you look at our, our, our guest list, like it just get, it's just increasing every day. Um, yes. So, I mean, by the time Sunday gets here, we're going to be exhausted. But, yeah, Matt Connor's coming up next. I'm so excited for Joe Montana. Let's talk about Joe for a second. Let's do it. As, 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 as many Connor of you know, on the back a hero for both of us growing up. Oh, my God. Right? Um, I want to ask Joe about Marty. Right? Like, yeah, I, I want to, you know, like, what, you know what, what was it like him? playing to Marty? That's a great question. <laughs> I want to ask him, if he doesn't get knocked out of that AFC title game against the Bills, do, does, he, does he win him that game? Does he find a way? The Bills scene was so good. I get it, and that's why I want to ask him. But yeah. like, I want to ask him that. I also want to ask him, son of a bitch, Steve Bono of 95. <laughs> and I've heard him say that that's his one regret. He should have stuck around one more year. Do they yeah. win the Super Bowl if he's there? Oh, I think so. Like they're at least in it, right? Yeah. I mean, they're at least yeah, in it. Like he, yeah. he's not losing to John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh and Neil O'Donnell. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Freaking Steve Bono, fraud. Right, right. How old was Joe when he retired? Thirty-seven. Do you think if he was playing in this day and age, with sports, sports science, all that stuff, Joe's? He had a lot of injuries. I mean, he had plus the way that they let him take injury, hits. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? He got hammered. Yeah, probably. That's why, like, Mahomes is 27. Uh, knock on every piece of wood you can find. But, like, could he play another 15 years? Yeah. Probably, if he wants to, probably. Right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I don't think it's – Brady's a freak that he played the 45. But I, 
Like, if Aaron Rodgers was on a team with good weapons and he wanted to, you're going to tell me Aaron Rodgers couldn't play for three more years? By the way, I don't know if people have seen the uh, latest from Aaron Rodgers. No. He's going to lock himself in, in complete sensory depraved darkness for four days. <laughs> he says he's expecting to have some hallucinations. <laughs> I mean, what? this is somehow a real thing that he mentioned on the McAfee show today. Like, I, Where's Mac? He's over there. We'll, we'll, have, to get, we'll have to bring Pat I wish We're not mobile. We, should, yeah. we need to, to, to for tomorrow, uh, Hunter, we want to be able to get up and move around the space. Yeah, uh, the internet. Apparently, yeah. He was like, I'm just going to have nothing but total darkness in a small house for four days. No sound, no light. <laughs> Sensory just, deprivation chamber? He, he like, said he's just going to, it's possible he's going to have hallucinations. <laughs> and he's going to come out of that. I'm like, what is happening? I thought this was a guy that didn't want to put weird stuff in his body. How's he going to have hallucinations? It's, it's just it's, from the darkness? I'm, I'm, I'm so confused. Like, I have no idea what's happening. I also don't know, like, like here's my thing with this. Who's the first person who sat there and was like, you know what? I'm going to sit in a dark room for four days and not do anything. Right. Who was that person? Yeah. And how do Well, we that was know? me after the AFC Championship game last that's, year. Uh, that's fair. But then also, like, how do you know? Like, okay, that person comes back and says, I did this for four days and I hallucinated. Maybe that person is nuts. <laughs> like, you don't know that that person yeah. is a control here, right? Right, like, right. That person could be out of their mind. Yeah. They could have been coming off of some kind of a drug. Like, right. Like, how do you know that, like, hey, I did this right? Yeah. What if, what if you just sat there for four days and you walked out of me, man, I'm just hungry. <laughs> like, I hope. Turns out I'm not, I'm not a loser. I'm just really I, hungry. I hope he goes to the Raiders, man. Just bring all that oh, kooky, please. bring all that kooky shit to Las Vegas. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ha, going on vision quests out in the out in the forest. You know, yes. he's going to come out and he's going to be like, oh, hey, we only we can only throw 50 yard passes. <laughs> Only 50-yard passes, that's it, every play. I'm, you know? I'm, I'm here I for love all it. of it. I love all it. All of it. I just, I just think that the AFC West, like, if you're the Chargers, right? I mean, you got to be looking around at the AFC West and be like, we got to get our shit figured out yeah. here. <laughs> because, like, I mean, we don't want to be we don't want to be looped in with those guys. We want to be looped in with those guys, yeah. right? I mean, it is absolutely brutal. Do you think Brandon Staley makes it? Like is he is he the coach of the Chargers? Makes it for one more year. One more. That's it though. By the He's way, a- did you see the? Uh, Hold I want to make sure I, I clarify this because I don't want to be one of these people who takes somebody else's work <clears> and, <throat> and, and screws up the wording. Yeah. But, um, so okay, so Daniel Popper does a great job at the Athletic covering the Chargers. He posited that they have a salary cap crunch coming up, which they do. He, the hundred percent ran. I've written about that. And they're going to have to make some tough decisions. And he kind of wondered aloud in a new piece. So the Chargers are over the cap by $20 million, okay? And he was asking, essentially, do they cut Keenan Allen? Do they actually move on from Keenan? Now, Allen's going to be 31 years old in April, as Popper notes, okay? Um, he signed the next two years. And he's, along with Mike Williams, their, their best offensive weapon, I think it's fair to say. Um, so what do you do here? Now, for the record, if they were to cut Keenan Allen, all right, first of all, he would have a lot of suitors. Yeah. Second of all, if they were to cut Keenan Allen, you're looking at, uh, you're looking at a cap savings of $14.8 million, and they're eating $6.9 dead money. Like, Popper's not crazy for saying yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of money saved. Uh, also, Khalil Mack, $18.4 million saved and $9 million dead money hit. 
You know, I'm like, what do you do? They don't have a yeah. lot of guys they can save a ton on. Michael Davis, corner, they could cut for $7 million. Okay, 7.4, excuse me. Um, Matt Filer, starting guard, they could cut for 6.5. But I don't know if they're in the business of cutting offensive linemen. Right, right. right? So, like, do you think that's the right move of Keenan Allen, or would you try to exhaust all other opportunities? You know, look, man, I think Keenan Allen's a great player. He's had some injuries. He's getting older. I think that it, it takes some resolve as a general manager to do that. But I think moving on from a player, if you can trade him, that's probably going to be hard to do, right? Right. With the cap number. very little. Uh, yeah, you don't get teams, much for it. teams know that you right. move him. And, and you probably want to do right by the guy. He's given your organization a lot. You cut him yep. loose, you let him sign with, with who yeah. he can sign and with. And save an extra, like, million and a half. Right, right. Numbers. So, yeah, I think you got to do it. Um, and it's just, you know, and by the way, this is the guy who said that some people were going to get exposed in Kansas City this year um, with Tyree Kill being uh, gone. So bad on him. Um, listen, we got our guy Matt Connor coming in. So we got to put our headphones on. Give okay. us just one second. We're going to make a transition and we're going to be joined by Matt Connor, editor in chief of Arrowhead Ad. Uh, Matt, are you with us? Yeah. How are you guys doing? Doing well. How are you? Yeah, we're, I'm, we're I'm doing good. Well. Yeah. We're doing well. What's, what's going on, man? Like, what's happened on a website? I, you know, we're. We're out here. We've been streaming now for a couple hours here live from Radio Row. So we're, we don't know what's going on with the Chiefs. Has anything happened? Any breaking news? What's happening on ArrowheadAddict.com right now? <laughs> no, no breaking news. I think you guys know. I mean, the Chiefs are, are getting healthier. That sounds pretty great. Uh, by the way, I just read this thing where it said the NFL's single worst Super Bowl predictor for the last 15 years. Like he's gotten it wrong a decade and a half in a row, and he just picked the Eagles. So, All right. yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. So what, I mean, uh, you know, I know you, I was, I was sh- shuttling you video last night and this morning. Any big takeaways for, for you from anything that was said on Radio Row last night? Or, uh, I'm sorry, at uh, opening night. Opening night. Um, I mean, you, you guys got some great stuff. I, uh, I was, by the way, I was glad to see McCole Hardman. Um, yeah. I was glad to see McCole Hardman out there because, you know, like, one of the thoughts that I've had during this postseason run is that this is kind of an unfortunate ending to his career. You know, he's the most experienced wideout in that room. This is a contract year for him. Tyreek's shadow is finally gone after this year. This really could have been a nice year, and he came on strong there in the midsection of the season when he had like five touchdowns in three games. And then, uh, and then came this injury that really took him out for the rest of the year. You, could, you should call it a season-ending injury from week nine. So, um, you know, seeing him out there in good spirits, joking with Andy Reid, uh, that was nice. Um, also, by the way, did you guys hear Pacheco's – did you guys hear anything from, from Pacheco yesterday? I didn't. I was not interviewing him. I was walking around talking to some of the defensive guys. Yeah, he was popular. Yeah. It, it's, different. it's difficult to get to – the offensive podiums really get swarmed. Uh, and I yep. took that as an opportunity to get guys like Frank Clark, Chris Jones. Chris Jones is pretty popular as well. But, um, yeah. you know, there's an offensive bias, with even with the media. It's true. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I certainly get that. He just had so many great things to say about what he's gone through to sort of keep up his success even late in the year. Like taking copious notes from Kelsey, from Mahomes asking all the time how to take care of his body, incorporating a routine as a rookie very early into the way he takes care of himself and like in terms of healing and in terms of getting better. And then he made this note and I, it hadn't occurred to me at all, but he said, 
He said, look, I haven't had downtime in forever. Like I went from Rutgers straight into two all-star games, straight into pre-draft training, straight into the combine, straight into the draft, straight into OTAs, you know, the training camp, mini camps, and then this, and then a, the longest season ever. Um, you know, you just realize that these rookies have actually like been playing football or training for football for like 13 straight or like, like well over a calendar year. Um, I'll bet the offseason will feel nice, but, but yeah, it's, it's a long time for these guys. Yeah. And they, they play the short season in college. Yep. So then you get into the NFL. It's Real long. short Rutgers. Yeah, you're Rutgers. Ain't right? no bowl so, game at no, Rutgers. No bowl games at Rutgers. And then you go the 17-game season, which is already really long, and then you're on a team like the Chiefs, and you're, and you're playing in February. So, by the way, I, so I want to ask you, Matt, because so I'm, I'm pulling up an article right now on The Ringer um, that I think is really interesting. It's, it's called Super Bowl Cheat Sheet, 25 Things You Need to Know About the Eagles and Chiefs. Um, and – in it, there's a whole bunch of statistics that are really deep diving. They're interesting. Um, but one thing that's, that's fascinating is a lot of people have talked about that Jalen Hurts is, is better against man coverage than he is against zone coverage. Um, here's one of the things that was, was pulled up, though, for Mahomes. In EPA, which is kind of a catch-all stat, in EPA per pass play against man coverage, zone coverage, blitzing, and no blitzing, Mahomes ranks number one in all of them. If you're the Eagles, to put your hat on the other way, what would you try to do to stop the Chiefs and to limit Mahomes in this game? How would you? How do you expect Philly to try to play this game? I, I think they're going to – I think they may give him a little bit of – you know, I'd give him some room to move if he wanted to, like, try to force something on that ankle. I mean, you know, you want if you want to take an early weakness and try to make it worse um, – you know, in that way, look, I, I will. I think the I think the Eagles present an issue here in that they have more talent at every level than the Chiefs. I think that. I think the Chiefs have the best players on the field overall. Like if you were to if you were to combine both rosters and like put them together like a deck of cards, like you're shuffling, I think the Chiefs come out on top of the best players. But like by level, I think they're they're deeper and more talented overall per unit. And in that way, I, I think that some of these mismatches combined with some of the injuries that the Chiefs have in, in the receiver room, you know, like, like they're saying Tony's going to play, Juju's going to play, Justin right. Watson's no longer sick, whatever. But, but also, those guys aren't going to be 100% either. And so, you know, to me, I'm, I'm absolutely doubling, you know, I'm putting two guys on Kelsey at all times. I'm, I'm trying to reduce any sort of free room that he has just to find a soft hole in any in any zone there um you know i'm not i'm not blitzing but i don't think you need to with their front four um that said that said look the three quarterbacks the, like the eagles have played three quarterbacks who finished the season in total qbr right one of those was brock purdy who didn't finish that game and play one was right. ryan Tannehill who didn't finish that game either so you're talking about Jared Goff as, you know, as, as the best offering there. Uh, you know what? Aaron Rodgers hung 33. Dak, hung, Dak Prescott hung 40. I mean, I just don't think, you know, you brought up those stats. I don't think, honestly, the Eagles can do anything to truly stop Mahomes. I think it's good. Like, Mahomes is going to get his in this game, although – 
you know, although I do think they're, they're also that talented, I, you know, it's, a, it's a mixed bag. I see it both ways, but I probably didn't give you a good answer there at all. Well, well you, you <laughs> did the best you could and we appreciate it. Uh, look, it's interesting though, your QBR thing. So Goff is by QBR. He's the best quarterback that the Eagles have faced this year. He's fifth in the NFL, 61.2. For the record, Mahomes is number one, 77.5. It wasn't even close. Um, nobody else even had 72. And this is a 1 through 100 scale. After Goff, Daniel Jones is sixth, but he threw for 3,200 yards. Not exactly a dynamic passer, more of a high QBR because he didn't turn the ball over much this year. Big change for him. They didn't see another guy until Prescott at 12, who led the league in picks despite only playing in 12 games. Then you go to Lawrence at 15th. Lawrence played them in week four in a monsoon. You get to Justin Fields on an awful team week 17. Kyler Murray at 19. Like, they, in the top half of the league of QBR, the only guys they saw this year, Goff, who lit him up for 35 points, Daniel Jones, who does not throw the ball very much, Prescott, who lit him up for 40 points, and it's still that game was sacked six times. And then Trevor Lawrence, who played, again, in a torrential downpour, had five turnovers in the game. I think he lost four fumbles. Um, after that, I mean, you're looking at number 17 in the league, 19, 20, 21, 23, 24. Uh, it's, a lot of these guys didn't even qualify. Like, some of the guys they played, Heineke's not even in there. Wentz is, Wentz is 30th. Um, Davis Webb, not in there. Davis Mills, 29th. Matt Ryan, I think just out of respect for his career, they – oh, I'm sorry, they put him at 25. I was going to say, maybe they just dropped him off the list completely. Like, whereas for the Chiefs, they saw number two in Josh Allen. They they saw number seven in Geno Smith. They saw number 10 in Joe Burrow. They saw Herbert twice at number 11. Carr at 13th. They saw Lawrence twice, including the playoffs. They saw Jimmy G at 16th. They saw Brady. It, like, it's just – there is something to the idea, yes – the two teams have been tested much differently, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Matt, I got to ask you, man, you're the editor, obviously you're a co-host with us here on the podcast, but you're also the editor-in-chief of arrowheadaddict.com. You guys pump out hundreds of articles every month, so you're always grinding. But what is it like to run one of the biggest Chiefs websites in the world during the, the week of the Super Bowl? <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's, a, you know, there's a lot to cover. What's funny is there, what's funny is that like um, what other sport in whatever time of year could there be considered news where it's like, Hey, a seal at the Pittsburgh zoo swam more toward the Eagles side <laughs> than the chief side. And, right. and then therefore, and then they issue a press release about it. Right. It's like, uh, yeah. um, you know, I, you know, it's everyone's fighting over the same stuff. It, it is interesting though. Look, running this site uh, at this time um, just feels so different. You know, I'm not just writing about something that um, is a job that I, like, happen to pick up. You know, the truth of it is, like, when I saw Christian Okoye run for the first time when I'm 10 years old and thought, how does a guy as big as our refrigerator in our house run over guys like that, right? Like, Like, when you're little, you just look up at anything big and loud and think, that's cool, like a dump truck or an excavator or any big whatever, except yeah. that guy was, like, running. He was running. And then and then you play Tecmo Bowl, and you're like, I'm him. I'm running, right? So, <laughs> right. Like, like, be, like, carrying that passion on through the Montana years and, 
and Schottenheimer and then through the garbage years and then you go through Javon Belcher and Pioli and the craziness of those years and then and then now being able to appreciate a decade of Andy Reid's excellence and watching Hall of Fame players in their prime and reporting on them week after week I'm like I feel like we get the gift of reminding people telling people hey you're experiencing the golden era hey this is the time you'll look back and tell your kids about your grandkids about like these are the years and so yeah you know like there's a joy in that that i think is is not lost on me um you know to do this what's it like as a fan i know obviously i know how i feel about this getting to cover this team over the last few years um but like you're you one one part of it right is is work you're doing the the, the the posts and the podcast but the other part of it is you got into this because you're you love the Kansas City Chiefs so how do you how do you square that when you're trying to write but also you're feeling the emotions that a fan feels and how's that going to impact you on Sunday <laughs> sure sure you know that could be that can be hard that can be hard I've even written probably out of a wrong energy versus a right energy uh, yeah I mean you know but I always want to be fair. I always want to be, um, you know, not a homer. You know, you, you write. You want to write honestly about your team so that whoever's reading you now will believe you later. Um, and so, you know, getting caught up in the emotionalism of it is is good for social media, maybe. Uh, um, you know, but when it comes to, like, what you write, you want to be able to tell the truth about your team, even warts and all. So um, what's amazing is the Chiefs have – identifiable warts this season um and and yet they've dominated the competition like they have all right listen connor we got about four minutes because we're having a surprise guest here we're gonna have garrett wilson of the new york jets coming on here to join us in a few minutes not the not the not to cut you short but uh you know listen man's only got so much time uh (laughs) all right give it to us straight what do you think of this game what is your uh what is your crystal ball telling you yeah, let me, let me leave you with two things. Um, one, one, a quick anecdote. Sean said yesterday in his opening press conference with the Broncos, he said a perfect weekend for the Broncos is when the Broncos lose and all three of our rivals, uh, or when, when we win and all three of our rivals lose. That hasn't happened for the Broncos since October 2015 when they won and everyone else won <laughs> in one weekend. So, oh. I, like, one, when I, when I heard him say a perfect weekend, I thought, he has no idea what he's talking about. That never happens. And then it went back farther than I thought. Um, <laughs> so that's just a laughable statistic. By the way, I, I think the Chiefs win this by 10. I don't think it's particularly interesting, uh, in, you know, into the second half. Um, you know, the Eagles have put up a lot of stats on all garbage teams. Um, I just think these, these Chiefs are battle-tested. And when it comes down to it, I'm taking Andy Reid over a rookie coach. Love it, man. Love it. Make sure, guys, you get over to ArrowheadAddict.com. Matt and all the writers over there have been busting their asses all week. They're going to continue to bust their asses all the way through the weekend and into Monday, telling you what's what, what's happening with the Chiefs. So when you're not watching us, you should be reading them. Matt Connor, editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Addict and our friend and co-host to the Arrowhead Addict podcast. Matt, thank you for hopping on with us, buddy. We'll see you soon. Yep. Thanks, guys.
See you, brother. Also, I love that on the screen he is cocaine bear. Cocaine bear. That's, that's right. phenomenal. <laughs> that's right. So we've got um, this was dropped on us. We got Garrett Wilson, as you mentioned, from the Jets, also from the Ohio State University. Yes. I'm very excited as an Ohio State fan and of as course. a person from Ohio to have Garrett Wilson. And an interesting thing with Garrett Wilson is I, I don't know if this has been confirmed, and maybe it has been, but when the Chiefs were trying to trade Tyreek Hill, it was between the Jets and the Dolphins. Yes. Now, I read that the Jets did offer up the, the number 10 pick yes. that they used on uh, that you, they used to take Garrett Wilson. So there's a, there's a world in which the Chiefs take that. The Chiefs are at 10. Maybe Garrett Wilson's still on the board. And they take Garrett Wilson. And they take Garrett Wilson. Uh, would you have – now, would you have liked that move, and how do you think he would fit I in mean, with the he, Chiefs? He's terrific. Yeah. I, I, think, I think where the Chiefs were – they needed other things, so uh, I think it worked out. But that being said, I mean, I wouldn't complain if they took Garrett Wilson. Right? I, mean, I think it yeah. would have been. Listen, I don't know that I'll ask Garrett Wilson this because it might be a little bit disrespectful, not to him, but to the Jets. Like, sure. Is this the most impressive feat of all time that you had 1,100 receiving yards with Mike White and Zach Wilson? So yeah. Basically, you just didn't have a quarterback for right. two quarters of the year. Right. Like Joe Flacco was also involved in that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's got to be up there. And, and as a rookie, right? Like, yeah. you, you're, you know, it. some rookies come in and they just they, they get dealt a bad hand. You get a changeover at quarterback, you get on the same page. That's a talented team over there. They had, they had a good young running back, too, that got hurt yeah. with injury and yeah, they lost. Yeah, Hall is terrific. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, really excited to have him on. And here, uh, getting to talk about a guy that comes in as a high-profile draft pick. Yep. Delivers. Right, like that. If I'm a in Jet, New York, right in New York, which is which is if you have two bad weeks, yeah. people are going nuts. That's what I would get excited about if I was a Jets fan. Is if you got a guy that comes in, it's like when it's like when uh, when when the Chiefs got like Jamal Charles and like they they couldn't block anybody. Nobody was afraid of the quarterback. So his entire career. Yeah, right. They were stacking the box all the time, and he was going out there and he was torching guys yep. anyway. I mean, that's when I started to get really excited. If I'm a fan of the New York Jets, to know that we've got a player that can succeed, even maybe in not the best of circumstances. Yeah. Now, if you get a quarterback this offseason, you're really in business. Right. 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 You've got a better offensive line. You have, you have Brees Hall. You have even some complimentary bags. Zonovan Knight did a good job coming in. Right, that's right. They, they have James Robinson they traded for. Yeah, yeah. Um, you start looking at them going, okay. like you know, and, and look, the other receivers are certainly not Garrett Wilson, but Elijah Moore, guys like that. Guys, you, you respect them. Um, and the defense is good. Sauce Gardner. Right, defense yeah. is really good. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm – and that's something I will talk to him about is how is it to be part of that rookie crop where you yeah. go, okay, hey, we're really we're, – we're moving. We're moving yeah. in the right direction yeah. here. Um, I think if you are the Jets or you're a Jets fan, you're very excited about the future. You just got to find that that big piece. You got to find that quarterback. Yeah. That's the thing right now, of course, it's been missing with the Jets since Joe Namath retired. Yeah. I'll be interested to see, too, what he got to learn from watching the other pros as a rookie, especially in that division, sure. right? You get to you get to go up against Waddle and, and Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, there's some really good somebody on New England. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> somebody on New England. Some really good receivers in that division to stand out. And plus of course he came into the league with his with his teammate Chris Olave, who did right. his thing down there in, in, in uh, New, New Orleans, Orleans with also a similar turbulent quarterback situation. Yes. Right? Yes. So um just a good wide receiver crop that came in. Um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that division plays out. You know, if Tua comes back and is healthy, he was playing great. Miami's dynamic on offense. What changes do they make to make their defense better? 
The Jets. Yep. What are they going to do? Are they going to try to like? Where do they? Do they have a first round pick this year? Jets. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Where so are the they? Jets, in the uh, they pull it up here. No, 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 no. They didn't make the playoffs. Um, so the Jets are picking 13th. Okay. So, so I mean, right? You know, a little above middle of the pack there, right? I mean, uh, within striking that there's a couple of good quarterbacks coming in. Correct. So if they wanted to move up to try to like, if they, if they don't think C.J. Stroud is going to maybe make it to them, they they can get him. Yeah, I mean, like the question's going to be like everybody that I've talked to in the league feels like. Stroud and Young are surefire top five picks. Yeah. The question's going to become, where does Will Levis go out of Kentucky? There's a, there's a huge disparity of opinion on people I've talked to with him. Some people think he's a top five pick. Some people wouldn't take him in the first round. Yeah. So you're talking a huge disparity. And Anthony Richardson, I had a high-level personnel <laughs> man tell me he has a late second-round grade on him. There's some people who think he's going to be a top 15 pick. Right. Like, would the Jets take him? You know? I mean, look, I've learned one thing with quarterbacks – Teams will overdraft the guy because the need at that position supersedes everything else. And they fall in love. That's it. I mean, I, 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 was, I was joking with the personnel man who said second-round grade to me. I said, you know he's going in the first round. Like, somebody is going to just say, I don't care. Right. We're going to take this guy right. based on his talent, and understandably <laughs> so. Um, would the Jets be that team? I don't know. So my, my wife is calling me. She's going to have to wait. Yeah. And we um, never – I mean, Patrick Mahomes. People, a lot of people, even Patrick Mahomes thought uh, maybe I'll go at the end of the first, uh, the end of the first round, you know, in the 24, 28 range, and then yeah, he's he 10. shot up and the draft. She's traded up seventeen spots to get him. If you go back and read the scouting reports on him, people are like raw second round pick, oh, third round pick. A lot of them. Also, yeah. I was uh, standing right next to him. Somebody from I believe from Chicago asked him about what his dad said about the Bears and that they would take him. And he clarified. He said, well, my dad was a little aggressive in that comment. He said, but what happened was the Bears told him, if we take a quarterback, you're our guy. But we don't know if we're going to take a quarterback. So he said, I wasn't offended that they didn't take me, but I was offended. And I'm paraphrasing. Sure. Was offended that they took a quarterback, but I wasn't the guy. That caught me off guard. Got it. But then he followed up saying, but truth be told, I really wanted to go to Kansas City. So I was upset about it. Um, it worked out. It worked out for him. And what about what about our guy Matt Nagy stacking the deck from Mahomes? He talked about that too. <laughs> he talked about gave him all the answers to Des. I wonder. I, they, I think they asked Andy that. I think he said, "Son of a gun," something like that. You know, when they when they when they told him that Matt Nagy gave him the answers to the test. I mean, how much of this kind of thing do you think happens in the NFL, where like? You know, you you're, you a got a lot. scout, you got an offense guy, and like, a boy, lot. they want coach, they want coach <laughs> to see it. I mean, we heard about how Brett Veach, he wasn't the GM at the time, right? He was, it was yep. Dorsey was that Dorsey, ultimately yep. had to make the decision about whether or not to take Patrick Mahomes. But Brett Veach was the driving force behind it, and he wanted his guy, and he was harassing everybody who would listen about look at this guy, Patrick Mahomes. I think sometimes you you're a scout you're an assistant GM, personnel director, whatever the case may be, you're looking at a guy and saying, this guy could affect my entire career. Right. And if it's a quarterback in the first round, yeah, that look, people don't think about it in this way, but it's truth. You draft a quarterback like that, it is your ass. Yeah, it sure like, is. If you screw that pick up, there's a very good chance, very good, you're out of a job. Like that, you're done. Right, and your whole family's got to move, and your school's got your your, your kids got to change schools. Like, but if you're right, I mean, Brett Veach could put down roots for the rest of his life, right? right I mean, that ain't right. going anywhere. 
So I think he's in good shape in Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. But apparently Mahomes might uh, succeed him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mahomes is looking to take a GM role. That's right. That's so right. Would you? Uh, so we're gonna have Garrett Wilson here coming in two yeah. seconds. Would you want Mahomes to be the GM in twenty years? Sure, man. Or, or would I, you be like, what if it goes wrong and then and then you got that weird scenario? Like an Elway, the Elway yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't think so, man. I, he's just good at everything. Yeah. Do <laughs> you imagine he just keeps kicking people's ass? You know what though? After years. what he's done for the what he, after what he's done for the franchise, Patrick Mahomes wants to come in and run it into that's the ground. Wants. That's his right. That's right. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, right. right. That's, that's his right. That's right. I'm, I'm happy to let him do it. We, got right, we are going to uh, yeah. welcome in uh, Garrett Wilson here in the New York Jets in just a second, working with Old Spice. Oh, How hey, you doing, Garrett? Garrett? Thanks for joining us, man. How you hey, doing? Thanks for coming by. Appreciate yeah. you having me, man. For sure, for sure. So, first <laughs> off, what are you doing with Old Spice? Uh, give us a little bit of the, the details. Yeah, man. So, uh, the thing is with Old Spice, you know, you kind of don't know when, uh, you know, you don't smoke good. People will tell you when your hair don't look right or people will tell you when, you know, your cleats messed up. But whenever I'm out on the field and um, – you know, someone doesn't smoke it. I know it's not me. I know I don't have to worry about it because I'm working with Old Spice. Yeah. And uh, Old Spice Swagger is, you know, 24-7 freshness is what comes with it. So really excited to be working with them. And, yeah. It's great. How many – so uh, which which DB that tried to cover you this year needed more Old Spice? Needed more Old Spice? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stay away from Andrew now. <laughs> it was a trap. <laughs> it was a trap. <laughs> All right. So you had a great rookie year with the Jets. Yeah. Over 1,100 yards. Despite a little bit of a rotation of quarterback this year, what was the key for you above all else going out and having that sustained success? And not just a couple of really big games, but a couple of really big games mixed in with a lot of other really good games, kind of bringing up those stats. Um, yeah, just uh, simplifying the game, you know, simplifying and, and, and for me, just making it what it's always been. Uh, just go out there and make the plays when your number's called. You know, when your ball comes your way, catch the ball. Um, it doesn't matter who throws it, you know. And, um, yeah, you know, that was my mindset and, and the whole receiver room's mindset, you know, throughout the whole season. Go out there and produce, and when your number is called, you know, make those plays. Now you played in a lot of big games in your career at Ohio State. When you got to the NFL, how did how did things progress for you from you know from week one to week seventeen? Uh, is the game did the game start to slow down for you? Yeah. What surprised you the most about going to the NFL? Uh, yeah, no, the games did start to slow down for me. You know, it wasn't as much as um, this game is a big game, but it was every game was just all right. This is a, a big game because it is a game. You yeah, know? and that was a mindset around the facility. You know, we had to. Um, you know, especially during the back half of the season, every game was a playoff game for us. Right. And, uh, you know, that kind of could be where you hit your wall and, and fall off a little bit. But, but for us, you know, we were fighting for a playoff spot. We knew we had, you know, one or two games if we win that we'd be in. And, um, and yeah, you know, it, it's a long season. I'm not going to lie. It is a long season. And, yeah. and Ohio State, you know, does as good of a job as they can do at getting you ready for that. But there's no real getting ready for that until you go through it. And, um and I felt that, you know, I, I, I had to adapt and, and make some changes to my routine to be able to um, keep it up through all 17 weeks. But, but yeah, man, like you said, you know, it's a, it's a lot. You know, it's a lot to try and stack it every week. And, and I feel like we, you know, we obviously we didn't finish the way we wanted to, but we did a, we did a good job with it. You guys had a hell of a rookie class this year. I mean, between yeah, yourself, Sauce, you know, Brees, obviously, unfortunately, had the torn ACL, yeah. but was playing great before he got hurt. Yeah. Zonovan coming in toward the end of the year, yeah. playing well in his stead. What was it like being part of that crop? And in a, in a city like New York where there's a lot of pressure. I mean, yeah. if you guys have a couple of bad games, everybody wants to know what's wrong and, yeah. and, and what's going to get fixed. What was it like being part of that young group? Um, I mean, it was really it was really amazing. You know, it's not often you see something like that. And it's not often, you know, personally, I came in with three first-round picks. and, and um, Or I was one of three. Yep. And, uh, 
you know, it takes the pressure off yourself. You know, it takes the pressure off yourself. I can just go out there and play ball just because, you know, everyone's going through these things with me. I can talk to Sauce. I can talk to Jermaine. Their first round picks. Yep. They know what the pressure feels like. And, and the fact that I could bounce my thoughts off of them and stuff like that, you know, took the, some of the pressure off my own shoulders, you know? What was it like running routes with Sauce in, in camp and then throughout the year and then, and then being on his side and watching from the sideline? Obviously a great player, had a yeah. tremendous rookie season. If you were running routes against him on practice, you feel like you get the better of him throughout most of the practice, or you think he's, he's uh, got you a little bit? This past season, this past season, he got the better of me, I would say, on most reps. Um, you know, and then once the season hits, you're not doing as much, you know, good on good. Sure. Um, but, you know, preseason, preseason, he was on it. I ain't going to lie, he mm -hmm. was on it. And, uh, you know, when I saw the other receivers going through what I went through in OTAs <laughs> and, and uh, in minicamp, it made me feel better about it. And the thing is, is I didn't realize, you know, that he was going to come in and be one of the the best corners in the league, you know. So for me, it, it messed with my confidence initially because I was like, okay, um, you know, this dude hard to get open on. And then once by the time the season came around and he was the best corner I had played against all year, you know, it was like, okay, that's, this is what I need. You know, this is iron sharpens iron, you know, get the best um, best look you can get during the practice week so that the games are a little bit, you know, watered down or a little easier. And, yeah. um, you know, I felt that with going against Sauce, you know, he's a crazy talent, really uh, impressive. Now you came into the league with a really talented wide receiver class, including your teammate Chris Olave, who was down there in New Orleans. Uh, during the season, did you guys get a chance to talk at all, or did you get a chance to check out some of his games as he was progressing through his rookie year no, as well? No, for sure. Um, we made sure we, you stayed in touch throughout the whole season, and then got lucky. We usually play around the same time, but I got lucky they were playing his game while he was in London against yeah. uh, the Vikings yep. um, at the same time as we were warming up. And uh, they had it on the big screen, and uh, he had a great game that game. I remember seeing him make a few big plays, and and uh, it's no surprise, man. It's, it's a uh, great player, great person. Goes about all his uh, business the right way, and to see him, you know, succeeding at that level doesn't surprise me at all. You know, knowing what, um, knowing what we had in college and the way he was in college. We get, we guys trying to one up each other a little bit, you know, see who could see which Ohio State receiver could have the best. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. You know, I'm sure. Just the uh, the competitive side to us was, you know, trying to be uh, trying to compete with each other. But but uh, the reality of it is, we both just wanted to see each other succeed, succeed, and. Um, you know, knowing that we both have different scenarios going on and just making the most of it. That was all. Yeah. This season, obviously, you guys had a really good start. Didn't yeah. didn't end the way you wanted to. Now there's been a lot of talk about Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, maybe they're the next Jets quarterback, and who knows what's going to happen. But you're the receiver when you hear that. What do you think if, if, if Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers were to eventually come to the Jets? Yeah, I mean, I'd be excited. You know, I'd be really excited because, um, you know, those are two veterans that I've been watching since I was a kid play play ball, and um, I would know what they were bringing to the table, and, and um, it would make us a better team. You know, it would make us a better team. And, um, you know, any chance you got to uh, – or any time you got the chance to add a player like Aaron Rodgers or like a first ballot Hall of Famer and, you know, one of the best players I've, I've watched ever um, – you know, you, you, you want that, you know, you want to, you want that, you want the opportunity to learn from someone like that and, and uh, catch, catch pass from him, you know, so um, selfishly, I want that, you know, being yeah. a receiver, I want that. And, and for the team as well, you know, I feel like it would put us in a good spot. If they don't go the veteran route, there is a former teammate of yours coming in the NFL draft, uh, CJ Stroud. How would you like to catch uh, balls from him again? Oh, I mean, CJ's a man and, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what, what he does in the NFL, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the best quarterbacks I've played with in my life. And um, yeah, man, just another person that goes about his business the right way and, and um, knows what it takes to succeed and, and really pushes that every day. And I'm, like I said, I'm excited to see him go through this draft process and where he'll end up. What are your goals for next season? Or have you even established any goals for next season? And obviously, and just so far away at this juncture, but you had 1,100 yards this, this previous year. You played very well, you were consistent. 
What are some of the things, if you've thought about it, that you'd like to do next year, just on an individual standpoint? Um, um, I know this offseason I want to build up my body. So, okay. so, you know, this is a long season, 17 weeks, and the dudes at that level are hitting, they're big, they're, I mean, they're grown men, you know, flying around hitting. And, um, and for me, you know, 10, 15 pounds would be beneficial just to help me all around my game, you know, getting in and out of cuts faster through contact, um, off, off the line against, you know, bigger DBs. Those are things that, uh, you know, I'm wanting to work on this offseason. Hopefully they carry into next year, and we'll see where I'm at. You know, as long as we get to the playoffs, I feel like I'm going to be in a good spot. Outside of Sauce, who's the best corner you face this year? Uh, Sertain, for sure. Pastor Sertain up yeah. in uh, Denver. Yep. Real good player. Yeah. yeah. Good well, player. We, listen, if you need to put on some weight, we've got some good strategies for that. It might not be the kind of weight that you <laughs> yeah, want to put on. It's a different kind of weight. It's a different yeah. weight. Yeah, yeah. Might um, <laughs> tap in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> you up on yeah, that. yeah. Call us when you retire. We want to have, have <laughs> well, a nice long out. season. Um, before we get out of here, obviously, we got to ask you, who do you got on Sunday? Who do you think is going to pull this one out? Yeah, I got uh, Kansas City. Um, that quarterback, they got it's special, man, and, uh, you know, it's hard to go against him, hard to choose against him. I got Kansas City. Yeah. All right, hey, Garrett Wilson working with Old Spice. Great rookie season with the New York Jets. Thanks so much for stopping by. I really appreciate, appreciate it. Y'all Thanks for coming by here. Sure. Been yeah. awesome. Take care. Yes, All right. That was Garrett Wilson with Old Spice Swagger. Gives you the confidence. Thank you, man. It gives you the confidence to perform under the spotlight with 24-7 long-lasting freshness. I'm, a, I'm an Old Spice guy. Yeah. Do you use any of the body wash? Yeah. It's Actually, good stuff, man. It is good stuff. It really it is. is. It, it, it allows me to stay married. That's right. That's my important. Wife doesn't have to go. Who the hell's in the house? That's, that, like that's that's how you counteract the pizza weight. Yes. Like when yes. Verdam and I put on, when we put on our off season. When I go weight, home, they're gonna roll me off the plane. That's right. And it's then, only and, the old spice. It's safe. You know, by the end of it, they have to use me to counterbalance <laughs> the plane. They're like, listen, we're gonna put all the luggage on the left. Verdam's on the right. And then they roll me out at the gate at O'Hare. Yeah, yeah. And at that point, I've got to have the WD-40 to grease myself into the door jams yep, in the car. Yep. I come home say, hey, honey, I'm going to take a shower and throw on the entire thing of Old Spice. And, yeah, uh, yeah. At least it's not a complete disgrace at that point. That was a great That was a great interview. It's really, really cool. Thoughtful. You know, really yeah, thoughtful guy. Thoughtful guy. guy. You yeah. don't always get to get these guys, big stars like Eric Wilson. I mean, you don't Super always humble. get Yeah, Sat yeah. Down, very talk. humble. You don't yeah. get to get them, and you don't get to get them. It's interesting to talk to these guys end of the first year, right? End of the rookie year. What did you learn, you know, before everything yes. becomes old hat? Yes. I think that was really insightful. And he picked the Chiefs. Yeah, and he picked the Chiefs. So there you go. And, and, he, and, and I think he gets it, right? It's about the quarterback. It's that guy. It's that dude, Patrick Mahomes. Whatever you think about the team's roster construction, top to bottom. That's kind of the funny part of this. Like, everybody keeps talking about how these games, this game's so even. I'm like, yeah. well, if that's the case, you take the quarterback. Right, right, yeah. And, and I, the coach. Way, we, we've done every, every week. We've talked about this. I've said that all week, all year. If you are conflicted on who to take in a game, you take the quarterback. Yep. And if you're still conflicted, you take the coach. Yeah. In this case, you take the Chiefs in both cases. I just, to me, that's why of all <laughs> the things we talked about, in the end, if I am conflicted, well, they have my homes. Yeah. That's what I'm taking. Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody. We just hit the, what, two-hour mark? Two hours. Yeah, that's, so that's pretty good. I think that's a good day's work for us here. Yeah, burger. Yeah, listen, there are still over, I don't know, over 300 of you watching. If you can hit that like button on the way out. And, again, if you want to support the Arrowhead Addict podcast, check out arrowheadaddict.com slash bets. Click on one of those links. Sign up with one of our betting affiliates who, you, who you've not bet with before, uh, and and keep us in business. By the way, we, we didn't we didn't we're, we're, we're missed. We didn't shout out our sponsors, KC Beer, Kansas City Beer Company. If yes. you were in Kansas City and you are wanting to celebrate Super Bowl week, get your ass down to the Kansas City uh, KC Beer Co. Beer Hall. Get an Arrow Red Lager, our personal beer that we brewed with with uh, 
with those guys a few weeks ago. It's fantastic, and they've got six packs available again in the beer hall yes. that you can buy and take home and watch the Chiefs whoop up on the Philadelphia Eagles this Sunday. Guys, we are going to be back tomorrow. Uh, it's mountain Go time. Yeah, let me get, well, that Good helps. Job. That helps. Uh, we're going to be kicking off around uh, 1 Mountain, so uh, 2 Central Time. 2 Central Time tomorrow, 2.15. Guests for days. Joe Montana. Yeah. I don't, we've got other great guests. Don't worry about it. 2.15, set an alarm on your phone. Subscribe to this channel. Turn on alerts. 2.15, Joe Montana right here on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. You're going to watch us fangirl out. Fanboy out. In a way, aggressive. In a way, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be weird, uh, and hopefully Joe doesn't call the FBI. uh, Honest, it's gonna be awesome. Yes. Thank you so much to all of our guests today. Thank you to Nick Lowry. Thank you to Garrett Wilson for stopping by. Matt Connor. This was absolutely awesome. Great day here at Radio Row. Day two. Be on the lookout for more cheese coverage at ArrowheadAttic.com and, of course, on the Arrowhead Attic YouTube channel. Thank you, everybody, for the comments, for your questions, for your likes, and we will see you tomorrow with Joe Montana. For Matt Verderam, my name is Patrick Allen. We'll see you tomorrow. But until then, as always, go Chiefs. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.